Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's going on, everyone? It is Victory Monday in Winnipeg, and the Bombers are going back to the Grey Cup for the fourth consecutive season. Big show coming up. We're uh, going to break it down with the guy that called the game on TSN, our pal Dustin Nielsen. We're going to hear from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and... Uh, Westy, we can't be talking about the Bombers of the Grey Cup without getting Westy in here. So he'll join us later on today and potentially a quick phoner with Jeff Hamilton, who is in transit on the way to Hamilton for Grey Cup week, where we will be Wednesday night, live shows from the Hammer and the Grey Cup beginning on Thursday on Winnipeg Sports Talk. And I think a pretty good chance of some additional content on the weekend as well. So make sure not only are you subscribed to the YouTube channel, but turn your notifications on so you'll know what's up on the weekend if uh, we do end up going live on Grey Cup Saturday. Of course, we've got lots of Jets to get to as well. Tough loss to kick off Super Saturday against a very good Dallas Stars team. Jets getting ready for the New Jersey Devils tomorrow. We'll talk Jets and a big weekend of news in the National Hockey League with Dave Poulin coming up as well. Um, so buckle up. Should be a real fun couple of hours here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Just before we bring in Michael Remus, a big thanks to the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. Of course, our uh, proud sponsors at CoolBet. Big week in the lock shop. Just finished that up with Dusty and Pat. You can check that out after Winnipeg Sports Talk over on the Edmonton Sports Talk channel. Our friends at Princess Auto, Royal Sports, Boston Pizza, the Winnipeg Jets, Little Brown Jug, Wallace and Wallace, Vita Health Fresh Market, F Apparel, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Canadian Club, Manitoba Battery, Aquatech, Modern Man Barber Shop as well. And uh, saw a few of those Moes from the uh, team at the game. Looking good, fellas. We'll uh, continue to update your progress throughout Men's Health Month. And uh, oh, information later on today about uh, how you can uh, qualify for that marble race at the end of Men's Health Month, November 30th to win that signed Trevor Linden jersey and that package from uh, our friends at Prairie Naturals and Vita Health. Uh, let's get to it. Welcome to everybody in chat. Shout out to folks listening on the podcast and welcome to you, Michael Remus. What a uh, what a Saturday in Winnipeg and what a great weekend. Yeah, it was. It actually wasn't freezing uh, this weekend here too, which, is, uh, which was nice. But yes, what a Saturday it was. Jets in the afternoon, heading over to the Bombers. And watching them clinch their trip, uh, their ticket to the Grey Cup. Uh, fantastic. Followed by some great NFL games yesterday. So uh, this is, uh, should be a really fun week. And yes, we will be at or in Hamilton uh, for shows starting on Thursday, heading out Wednesday after the show. I'm really excited. You know, we don't get to do too many events. We did, um, we did the draft and, you know, we didn't make it to the Grey Cup uh, last year. You were in Qatar and... You know, this year, maybe with us there, they'll have uh, some good, some better fortune uh, against Montreal. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. That was why it didn't go our way last mm -hmm. year. I was in Qatar. Yeah. I had been there for about five hours. It was the middle of the night. And uh, I, uh, I will never forget my very strange viewing situation for that game. But let's just say I'm going to be uh, <laughs> far happier, far happier to be in, uh, in the hammer on the weekend um, and interestingly enough, I'm going to give a shout out to a Trevor Knott from Knott Autocorp. I saw Knott and the crew out there. I'm pretty sure he is going to be at the game. I'll say this right now to the chat. Uh, why not question of the day 
for not Autocorp, but Waverly and McGilvery. Who's in? Mm -hmm. Bomber fans in the chat. Who's making a plan to get out to Hamilton to hopefully see the Bombers win their third Grey Cup in four attempts? Um, Zach Caleros, um, you know, making history this coming weekend. Be the first quarterback to start four consecutive Grey Cups, Reem. And uh, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, for the first time since the dynastic Edmonton teams of the late 70s and early 80s making it to four straight Grey Cups and winning the West Division four straight times. You know, we've kind of stayed away from using that dynasty term. We thought that it would have been the case that they won last year. They didn't, but this uh, we are in the midst of an all-time era of Winnipeg Blue Bomber football, and uh, there will be no doubt whether this is a dynasty or not if they can get a win against the uh, Montreal Alouettes next week. And we'll talk about that shocking opponent uh, in, in a minute. But, um, I mean, and it, it, this team just continues to get it done. They do it in different ways. And we spent a lot of time talking about the game on the weekend, outdoors, IG Field, Winnipeg, middle of November. Um, they executed the plan. Bully ball, 60 minutes, running the football and terrorizing poor Vernon Adams, who got nicked up early, heroically played through the game, but um, was sacked nine times and probably was really feeling it on Sunday morning. Oh, I'm sure. Um, you know, got a bit, uh, you know, it seemed, you know, people were taking victory laps there in the first half, but uh, shout out to BC for that Hail Mary at the end of the first half, Huss, and I think got a bit nervous there, but I think the Demario Houston interception, uh, they needed a big play. They got it on special teams with the block. Uh, they got it on defense with, as you mentioned, the sacks and the turnovers. And it was, I mean, the BC offense you know, wasn't that explosive offense that we'd seen from them all year. I know Keon Hatcher uh, was hurt. Who, Javon Katoy, I was surprised that, uh, you know, he was, did not show up on the score sheet as well for them. Uh, they couldn't really run the ball. Uh, couldn't protect uh, Vern Adams, and it was revealed has that he had a pretty. I think Farhan tweeted that after he had a pretty serious uh, knee injury. It was a torn MCL sprain. MCL sprain. Thank you. And amazing that he was even uh, even out there. Hus, but they really, uh, yeah, he's probably pretty sore Sunday, and just a dominant performance uh, by the Bombers defense there on Saturday. Uh, it, l listen, we'll dive into more of the game in a minute. Mm -hmm. Also, a dominant performance by the crowd. Yes. That crowd was simply amazing. Adam Bighill tweeted earlier, that's the loudest he has ever heard in the Canadian Football League. And uh, I, we got some tickets with, with some buddies up in the Upper Bowl. Um, I'm actually turning into an Upper Bowl guy. I sat there once earlier this season, loved the view, loved the atmosphere up there, and holy smokes were the fans bringing it. There were three dudes in front of us that had, they all had their own horn. And every single time BC was on, on offense, they were blowing the horns and ripping cowbells. Um, it was all <laughs> hands on deck. But the atmosphere was incredible. The fans were a big, big part of it. And when you combine that Winnipeg crowd, Winnipeg weather, with the Winnipeg defense, Brady Oliveira, that offensive line, you don't need Zach Caleros to play at an MOP level. You just can't make mistakes. And the Bombers didn't make very many, minus the Hail Mary at the end of the first half, which was somewhat shocking. But I guess for the TV folks, made the game a little bit more interesting. 
Um, but this game was bully ball is the best way I can put it. Um, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers showing everybody that um, to be the man, you got to beat the man. And in the Western Division, they are still the man. And we're going to find out in six days whether they're uh, back on top of the Canadian Football League and uh, truly establishing a dynasty here in Winnipeg. Yeah, the crowd just seemed like it was constant, um, at least when BC had the ball. I loved how they had this little, like, don't make noise signs on this big screen when the Bombers had the ball. They that did was... a great job. They've taken that up to mm-hmm. a whole nother level. Um, offense at work, be quiet. Yeah. Uh, and then the BC Lions, the, the funniest one they put up was the BC Lions have requested silence. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Respond accordingly, I think was. Um, um, they did a great job at cranking the noise right there. The fans were, were bringing it. And, um, you know, you're right. It wasn't as cold as a couple of the other game, the West Finals that we've had. No. In fact, I was colder at the high school final uh, at IG Field on Friday. Congratulations to Dakota, who won their first championship, as well as Grant Park, a great season. Very rare to have a high school football final that didn't have Oak Park or St. Paul's in it. Uh, but two young programs that had unbelievable seasons, and man, the quarterback on Dakota was just slinging it. Um, but anyways, it was colder that night I found than it was on sa- on uh, on Saturday for the game. But the cold was not the issue. The issue for the BC Lions was what the Bombers were bringing and what the fans were bringing. And uh, I mean, they really did not get much going offensively at any point in this in the in the game. And despite a miracle touchdown on a Hail Mary that probably gave them a big boost going into the uh, into halftime in a game they had no business being in, only being down by eight. Um, Bombers only gave up three points in the second half and um, finished that game with an exclamation point at the end of it. Um, start to finish, that was championship-level football by the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, and if they can do that again for another 60 minutes, I'm pretty sure that a week from today... It will be the best of victory Mondays for Blue Bomber fans here in the peg. Yeah, and I hear I'll get, we mentioned the crowd. I, did, I thought the Bombers' uh, social media team did such a great job. I was putting this one out, saying, attention all Bomber fans. Fans, we need your help on BC's offenses. And no huddle, make as much noise as possible. Uh, you know, this is, And they put out these graphics. And, you know, they had them on the screen there. And everyone did such a, a great job. And, yeah, I mean, BC, to think about BC's big playmakers – I mentioned Hatcher. He was injured. Uh, Dominic Rimes, uh, one catch on six targets for five yards. I mean, this is a big, big body. It was Justin McInnes who did all the damage, 110 yards. They barely even ran the ball. Uh, Taekwon Mizell, five carries, uh, 37 yards. And you look at the stat line, nine sacks for Vernon Adams and three interceptions. And, you know, BC really just struggled to get it going. And, you know, Bombers, certainly some areas where they could clean up, you know, maybe turning some of those drives into touchdowns instead of field goals and or even making uh, making the field goals. But it was start to finish a dominant uh, performance by the Blue Bombers. And it's shocking they're playing Montreal. Um, you know, I think Toronto was favored by 11, so I can only imagine what the Bombers uh, are favored by. But and you think about that game that they had at IG Field earlier this year, a very good chance that the Bombers uh, will be coming home with the Grey Cup. But, you know, you don't want to... Can't write the story before it's finished because we just saw what happened uh, on Saturday. I mean, I don't think anyone, mm-hmm. although you said Mo Khan, who's coming on tomorrow, he had Montreal beating Toronto, but that was that was he a big was the shocker. One guy. That was a he big was shocker. The one guy. 
Um, you know, I, I, let let me let me say this about the um, uh, about this matchup and about the line. Um, I had thought I, I we were talking afterwards with the with buddies. Hey, what do you, okay? What do we think the Grey Cup line is going to be? And I thought that it could be as high as maybe nine, ten, but I said, "Ah, oh, well, we'll go with eight and a half." Um, what, what, what's what's your prediction for it, Remus? Before I tell you, because yeah, it's just dropped it. I don't know what it is, but I saw it on. Uh, I well, I just went by. If Toronto was like eleven, I, I would say ten uh, for the Bombers. I think uh, Montreal has scored six offensive points against the Bombers. This year, and I remember that game. You know, the only reason they were had such a lead is because you know Bombers were making mistakes and throwing uh, a couple pick sixes. Um, but uh, I think the Bombers should be heavy, heavy favorites in this. So you tell me what what is the line? Well, I did see uh, last night that FanDuel had opened it at six and a half. Yeah, that's seems- which blew me away. I don't know whether they were just trying to get out first. That's not a, a site that's available here in Manitoba anyways. Um, but we just finished up the lock shop, and it is up right now at Cool Bet. Bombers minus seven and a half. And uh, I'll tell you what, I couldn't get on that soon enough. Um, <laughs> I have a feeling, I have a feeling that that number is going to look a little more like a nine or who knows. I mean, it, it could get higher. I, I I don't believe, like, with the fan base the Bombers have, with their history, for the casuals that'll just be going up and wanting to make a bet on the Grey Cup, I think they look at these two teams. I really think that it's going to be an avalanche of money on the Bombers. So um, I I figured now's the time to get in because I don't think it's going the other way. I can tell you that much. So there you go. Coolbet.com, Bombers, minus seven and a half point favorites in, uh, in the Grey Cup. Let's hear a little bit from uh, a little post-game uh, reaction from the Bombers. Uh, and why don't we start with Coach O'Shea, Reem, uh, because I know the first question, uh, the first one that we have is um, O'Shea on the crowd impact, and uh, the crowd was an absolutely huge part of this game. That's not an easy place to come in. I saw T. Konopoli in chat saying, let's give the BC Lions a moment of silence, dot, 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 now because they didn't have any silence on Saturday at IG Field. But uh, here's O'Shea on uh, the impact of the crowd on Saturday night. All season long, year after year after year, they are just the best. There's there's no discussion about that. I mean, if anybody wants to challenge that, then they should fly here, buy a ticket, to a home game and sit in that crowd, and they'll understand what goes on. They, uh, they're into it. They're loud. They're proud. They're passionate. They're relentless. They're relentless, and um, we're so thankful to have them like that. Right? The guys, once again, the players in that locker room really understand that, and they truly value playing in front of a group of fans like that. It's not like that everywhere. All right, there's Coach O'Shea with a uh, a very honest and appreciative um, statement that you know speaks to what he and his organization has built here, and the fans have been a massive, massive part of that. And every single person that had a ticket, I think, felt like they had a bit of a hand in that win for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers on the weekend. Um, let's skip to the, the 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 second or the third one, number eight. Um, the opponent for the upcoming Grey Cup. 
Um, and again, we'll hear much more from Coach O'Shea and the uh, the participants over the course of Grey Cup week. But um, I'm sure a lot of people were, myself included, expecting Toronto to romp and this to be a rematch of last year's Grey Cup. It is not to be. Uh, the Argos self-destructed. Chad Kelly had probably the worst game of his life at the most important time. And uh, it's the Montreal Alouettes that'll be representing the East in a massive upset. O'Shea talked about the Alouettes, the team they'll be facing next week in Hamilton. Yeah, obviously their defense, uh, from what I understand, took the ball away uh, an inordinate amount of times, <laughs> which is which is pretty cool. Um, they, they are a tough team. Um, I'm sure it's very exciting for them right now. I'm... Personally, on a personal note, I'm very happy for Jason Moss. Uh, he's a winning coach and, you know, gets put in a position where people don't necessarily believe that, but obviously he's proved that again. So I'm happy for him and his group. Greg Quick, you know, the people we know on that, that you know over the years you're, you're happy for, and I'm looking forward to, you know, matching up against them. Not against coach, coach. I'm just saying the teams, right? I think Montreal plays football the right way too. All right, so there is uh, Mike O'Shea. I joked to Dusty today on the Lock Shop Ream that if I'm Montreal, I don't even show Cody Fajardo any of the video of what the Bombers did to Vernon Adams in the West Final. Because when you consider how that man has been terrorized by the Blue Bomber defense in the past... And to now know what he's facing going into Hamilton with the Bombers playing like he did, they did this week. I'm not sure Cody would be getting much sleep if they did that. Um, <laughs> one more from Coach O'Shea, and this is something that we'll get a lot more into as we, uh, you know, talk to Jeff and uh, the rest of our guests this week. The status of Adam Bighill, who went down on a non-contact play, uh, reportedly left the stadium on crutches. Um, he did seem in good spirits, though, tweeting out earlier today. Um, so we're, we're unsure, but I think there's obvious concern that, you know, one of their true leaders and a heart and soul player of this team might not be available for the Grey Cup. But Mike O'Shea was asked about the Big Hill injury, and here's what he had to say. Yeah, he's, you know, arguably the best linebacker of that time frame, right? But uh, don't count him out. <laughs> you know, don't count that guy out. I wouldn't count, I wouldn't rule any of our guys out, but I wouldn't rule Biggie out. Um, you know. That includes uh, potentially uh, Dalton Schoen for next week, or? Yeah. It's, again, we give it, Al Couture and his staff do such a great job with the guys. Um, and the guys work very hard in that room. So it's not just about meeting rooms and field work. You know, when it comes to uh, rehabbing and, and getting ready and trying to play, there's a lot of people in that in that area that sink so much energy and time into making sure the players have everything they need to get going. Um, and then the players themselves, uh, they just, you know, they, they change their focus and they flip the switch to trying to get back right um so i once again until 30 minutes before we don't rule anybody out we always give them the opportunity to be great 
All right, so there's the coach. Um, you know, not ruling Big Hill out, not ruling Dalton Schoen out. 30 minutes before the game, that's when the official de- official decisions need to be made. Um, very similar to Nick Dembski and Rashid Bailey. Um, you know, for this Saturday, they were good to go. They did play. Um, and, of course, Dembski contributed. Uh, and Rashid, even though he didn't catch either of his two targets, um, you know, always a beast when it can't, comes to uh, the run game. Um, Zach Caleros is going back to his fourth consecutive Grey Cup. Uh, he uh, met the media afterwards in the Bombers starting quarterback who didn't put up huge numbers by any stretch of the imagination. Zach was 14 of 21 for 158. No touchdowns, no picks. He talked about the game afterwards and another win in the West Final for his Bombers. Just really happy, obviously. Um, you know, as I talk to you about often, like when you've done this for a long time, you understand what it takes to get there, and it doesn't happen easily. So just, uh, you know, you want to you be able to live in the moment, and obviously we were excited. And uh, I, think, I think we have a group that understands, uh, you know, what it takes and, and uh, to truly appreciate it. Um, so it was, uh, it was a really fun moment out there. Our fans were unbelievable all night long. I've... Uh, I've been a part of a lot of really fun ones here, and uh, they made it really difficult <clears throat> for BC on offense. And uh, so, hats off to them—just the the best best fans in the CFL—and they were they were amazing. More love for the crowd, the fans from uh, first O'Shea, now Zach Caleros, and I mean Caleros. This has been a, a, a Hollywood script for Zach as a Blue Bomber ever since he was acquired in that last minute deal at the trade deadline in 2019. And frankly, the rest is history. Um, But people still want to know how they keep doing it. Um, Zach was asked how they maintain this level year after year after year. It's that's a hard question to answer. I think it's sticking with the process. Obviously, I think in the off season, it's, you know, guys take it serious. um, And, you know, you're, you're away from the facility for six months. Basically, it's not like the NFL where there's OTAs and all those things. And, you're really not allowed to meet. You kind of pseudo meet, but you, you don't meet. Um, so it's uh, I think it's just you know staying passionate about it in the off season. You know, obviously when we're here, um, making every minute count, making every day count, every rep count, every every uh, treatment session count. The things that I probably sound generic, you know, when I say to you guys every week, it's it, those things add up. The little things add up. Um, and I and I think just the love for one another, you know, and. You know, we, we, I'm sure everybody comes up here and says the same thing and echoes the same thing. It's, uh, it's honoring your teammate. And, uh, you know, we take, that, we take that personally. It's not just on the field. It's, it's how you prepare every single day. Um, so you can go out there and, and, and do your best to execute at a high level uh, for those around you. Um, Zach, uh, listen, as I said, he didn't throw the ball a ton, but he didn't have to. And the Bombers' plan was to establish dominance on the line of scrimmage. They did it on both sides of the football. But that first drive by the Bombers, led by Brady Oliveira, truly set the tone. Zach got talking about Brady uh, and the first drive of the Bombers running the football consistently right at BC. Uh, scoring touchdowns is big. I, th- I thought we could have put a few more in, but the, the first drive... Uh, we had some looks, uh, some run to pass kind of keys that we could, um, you know, check to uh, pass to run. Sorry, on uh, some of the second and uh, a little longer situations in our offensive line, and, and Brady did a really good job of 
executing those and uh, the receivers too of blocking. But, uh, but Brady running hard all night long, uh, especially there in the, in the first quarter, I think really set the tone to your point. All right, so there's Zach Caleros on uh, the setting of the tone on Saturday with that first drive by the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Um, but as we mentioned, Zach Caleros has done something no one, no storing quarterback has ever done in CFL history, and that is start four straight great cups. He'll officially be that guy come Sunday afternoon. Uh, but um, one more from Caleros. He had talked about uh, just making it to the fourth straight Grey Cup with uh, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. You know, it it means a lot. I answered the question the other day. Uh, Claire asked me prior to the game. It's just uh, I'm just so grateful to be in this organization, um, to be around the people that I am every single day, um, and, and to, to be able to play the sport. The sport is is a special sport because it. It's a team sport. It takes really, it really takes 12 guys. You know, I know you get, you always have to kind of find the guy, and the quarterback's the guy with the ball, so he gets the credit and he gets the, the blame when things uh, go wrong. But um, I, I just, I think of guys like Jake Thomas and and Patty Newfield and uh, Jesse Briggs, as guys who've been here for so long, um, and the you know the Willies, the Jacksons, the Stanleys, and uh, Yosh, and you know uh, Mikey Miller, you know, a guy who's just loves this game and hasn't been able to play all season long, um, but he's still in the locker room leading and uh, on the road and doing what he can to help. And, and, and I just think of those guys. Um, I, I said to Claire, I feel like I've been in this organization my entire career because um, the people are just so special. I mean, especially in the locker room, but I'm looking at Darren standing next to you and I think Osh is behind him and uh, just the the people that I get to be around every day, um, it'll be something cool. Obviously, I, I, I know I'm probably saying too much for Oshu's back there because we need to win the next one. That's all that really matters. But um, I just I, I kind of get uh, emotional when I think about just the, being around the people I get to be around every day. All right, there is uh, Zach Caleros um, speaking so highly of the people he's surrounded by in the building. And of course, in the stands, it is a uh, it's a special group. It's a special time of Blue Bomber football, uh, and they can make some history coming up on Sunday. We're going to be all over this. Westy's going to join us a little later on. We're hoping to get a quick phoner with Hammer, who uh, should be touching down right around now out in Ontario on his way to Hamilton for the Grey Cup. Um, and I mentioned Dusty's going to jump on. We're going to have to talk to him about what transpired with the Oilers uh, over the course of the weekend as well. Uh, but we'll start it off with uh, what he thought about his evening in IG Field calling the game for a TSN. And just before we uh, we kind of switch gears over to Pooley, great comment from Spency saying that two quarterbacks that the Riders gave away for free will be going head-to-head in the Grey Cup. And uh, <laughs> it is... Uh, <laughs> It's a, it's a perfect comment from Spency. This must be driving Ryder fans absolutely crazy. They hate the Bombers. And now Moss and Fajardo, who were sort of the scapegoats last year in Saskatchewan, are going to the big one. Yeah, not a good look uh, if you're a Ryder fan. That, yeah, former guys you gave away for free in the Grey Cup. And, yeah, a lot of people blaming uh, Fajardo last year. But, uh, you know, I think if you're a Ryder fan, you can look at the numbers and be like, you know, was it really Fajardo propelling them to that win, or was it Chad Kelly? Sorry, how many 
Interceptions. I think he just threw another one uh, a second ago. Uh, just confirming. There's only four. Four interceptions, but I believe it was nine turnovers. And uh, you mentioned sacks. As I know Fajardo does take the occasional sack or two. It uh, wasn't quite the nine that Vernon Adams took uh, on Saturday, but uh, the Argo sacking Fajardo seven times. So uh, I think they're already licking their lips uh, for you know before they get matchup on Sunday. Yeah. Speaking of licking lips, I'm licking my lips to see what the sack prop is oh, for the Bombers in uh, in that I was, game uh, coming up at Cool Bet. I was licking my lips because I don't know they're so dry. It's like is it's lip balm season for me. <laughs> <laughs> lip balm season. Hey, um, do we have this? Apparently, yeah. Spency, our buddy Spency, who first of all was one of the legendary dudes with the fur coats back in the Streveler Grey Cup celebration. Mm-hmm. I knew he'd be at the game, but he apparently he has sent in a photo from the game. Which okay, I'm this was in. A, yeah, so if you're listening on podcast or here on YouTube, we do have a Discord server. It's just a place where you can go and chat with other uh, Winnipeg sports uh, fans and listeners. And there's a lot a, a lively live chat going on during the game. So Spancy sent this one and ran into Dan Robertson at the game. Also Kevin Sawyer too. Here's Spancy. And Dan Robertson, this is an <laughs> this is an all time all time picture. Dan so, is such a beauty, and so is Spency. That's yeah. uh, big Spency guy right here. Fellas having a good time. So uh, looking good, Spency. Way to go! And a shout out to everybody else that was out there. So um, we were gonna do Hammer a little earlier. He's just getting there. So we're gonna bring in Dave Poulin. Talk a little bit about the uh, Jets' tough loss to the Dallas Stars. Don't forget the Jets are back tomorrow uh, against New Jersey. And then Friday, Saturday nights, Buffalo and Arizona. Um, So uh, we'll get to some Jets talk in National Hockey League and then get back to the Bombers with uh, hopefully Hammer, but definitely with Dustin Nielsen and with Troy Westwood as the show continues. Photo credit, Kevin Sawyer. (laughs) You got Sawyer to take the photo, eh? Oh, that is uh, that is beautiful. Um, but uh, we do want to uh, give a big shout out to all the fellas that are helping us out with um, the Movember campaign. It continues on right now, courtesy of our friends at Modern Man Barbershops. Um, of course, they've got eight locations in Winnipeg, so you can get that great cut wherever you need. But um, big supporters of Movember and Men's Health Month. So uh, if you are able to um, hit us up with the donation, you've got the uh, you've got the um, uh, QR code right there if you need. And uh, we've also um, got a link on the website. There's a link right here in the description of this video. So uh, if you're able to help us reach our goal, um, drop a donation in there for a great cause, helping out Men's Health Month. And of course, Modern Man has you covered, folks, with uh, haircuts, with shaves, uh, with coloring services, beard shaping. They've got it all for you. Now you can book your look and make an appointment via modernmanbarbershop.com. Well, our friends at Aquatech are the pool experts in town. We've got to wait a little bit for pool season, although you can get planning on taking the plunge for 2024 right now. What you might not know is that Aquatech is the leaders in home renovations with thousands of rentals as their foundation. Aquatech can upgrade any space in your home. If you are ready to uh, convert your kitchen, your bathroom, or even add a man cave to your home, just get on their website and visit aqua-tech.ca 
for more information, talk to a designer, as well as financing options. And I have a big shout out to the gang at Manitoba Battery. I know that place is uh, very, very fun today. Tons of Bomber fans led by Donnie himself. Um, but listen, we made it through what's usually the coldest game of the year. Now we're getting to the coldest time of the year. And you need to be ready with a battery that's going to get you through the winter. Um, best place to take care of it, of course, is Manitoba Battery. Shopping local, getting the best prices in town, beating the pants off the big box stores. And of course, the best part about it is they'll deliver it to you for free anywhere in the city of Winnipeg with any purchase over 60 bucks. It's just that easy. So uh, hey, if you do want to pop in, see them at 1026 Logan Avenue. They'll give you a free battery test and let you know where you're at. Um, but if you need to pick one up, you can do it right there. Otherwise, just get online to manitobabattery.com or give them a call at 783-8787. Manitoba Battery will be there to help you out. And hey, uh, I hope there's some CC left in this city because I can tell you, uh, being around the rum hut, Seeing the fans at the game, there was plenty of Canadian club enjoyed at the on the weekend and especially at IG Field on Saturday. Of course, Canadian club's been uh, behind the Bombers all year long as the official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, probably a big part of why the fans were so loud <laughs> on uh, on Saturday night. Uh, and again, getting ready for the Grey Cup wherever you're at. You can pop down to your local Manitoba Liquor Marts and uh, get your... Uh, favorite canada's favorite canadian whiskey canadian club and don't forget those cc and gingers also available in cans you can grab those at your local beer store uh cc and the gray cup what could be better and remember on sunday and always enjoy responsibly all right we're gonna get back to the bombers lots of gray cup talk coming up with dustin nielsen troy westwood uh, hopefully a visit from jeff hamilton but uh, right now, let's welcome in TSN's Dave Poulin for his thoughts on the Jets heading into the week and coming out of a tough loss Saturday afternoon against Dallas. Dave, uh, a huge day on TSN on Saturday. We had the Jets in Dallas, and we want to dive into that. But uh, on a victory Monday here in Winnipeg, I've got to ask you, how about those Bombers? I would say you're pretty spoiled, gentlemen, on the football front. And, you know, the Jets would love. And believe me, when you're in a city where the team is winning, when I first joined the Flyers, they had been to the finals in 81, but the Sixers won in 83, the Phillies won in 83, the Eagles went to the Super Bowl in 81. It's like the city of champions, and you're so spoiled in that town with the success of the Blue Bombers. But there's a culture that goes with that, and there's an expectancy from both inside the organization and inside the town and by the way, from outside the organization, there is as well a respect for it on how hard that is to do and what a great run the Bombers have had. You know, Dave, I, just before we get to the Jets, I do want to ask you about just from your experience as a player in management. Um, and I know you're a hockey guy, but I think you can kind of, you know, talk about this in terms of other sports. Uh, what it takes to develop that championship culture, but expectation and we know how hard it is to even repeat a championship. I mean, like, what what is it about the dynastic organizations, in addition to great talent, that they're able to do it year after year after year? I mean, this is a the Bombers of four straight West Division championships. Hasn't been done since the, the last dynasty, really, in a lot of ways. The uh, the Edmonton teams of the late 70s and 80s. 
And you think the Bombers lost, I mean, they were almost three in a row. They lost by a point last year, and it seems like they have just been on a mission all season long. I mean, when you look at that from your experience, what stands out about creating that championship culture and the incredible ability to make the two uh, sustain it? Culture is the most elusive word in sports and probably the most overused word. Everybody wants the right culture. When any new management group takes over, they talk about the right culture. But putting it in place is totally different. There's a cumulative effect to it, and it starts at the top. There's no question about it. It starts at the top. It filters down through the coaches. But ultimately, it's in that locker room. And what has happened in that locker room over the last, and it may go back seven, eight, nine years to trickle down to three years ago because there were still players remaining to two years ago. And the expectation when you walk in the room is that you're going to win. And I played for really good teams. I was very blessed. You know, I went to the went to the finals three times, the conference finals six times in both Philly and Boston. I was spoiled. And I went from Philadelphia to Boston and just kept rolling. And it, it's a belief in the locker room. It's a respect for how hard it is. And even losing last year, it's a defiance that you did lose and there's one way to answer that loss, and it's to come back and win again. And, you know, it, I think the guys that do get there have so much respect and understanding for how hard it is that they're even more willing to put the work in. There's a pride in knowing something that your opposition doesn't know. And right now, in Winnipeg with the Blue Bombers, they think and believe firmly that they have something that no one else had. And guess what they do right now in the CFL? Uh, cannot wait. Kind of wild, though. I mean, never before has Winnipeg and Montreal played in the Grey Cup. We get it for the first no time this week in all. Hamilton. <laughs> that makes no sense at all. Like, how do you do that in 100-plus years? If, you know, it, and when I look back at it, you know, Montreal had that great run during a real low time for the Bombers, and, you know, it's been uh, Hamilton for the last couple, uh, couple of times, and obviously Toronto last year, but... Uh, Something new and something old in the big game on TSN coming up this Sunday. Uh, let's get to the ice. And uh, before we packed IG Field at 5.30, uh, many people, myself included, were down at the downtown rink seeing the Dallas Stars and Winnipeg Jets put on a pretty good show. This is a big test for Winnipeg, and obviously they fell out on the short end of it. Um, but, man, the Dallas Stars, uh, that is a legit contending team. And Peter DeBoer, you know well, I mean, one heck of a coach. It seemed like he... Played his cards a little differently for the first couple periods, uh, maybe seeing what the Jets had been up to as of late. What did you think about the matchup and um, the way Dallas handled Winnipeg and then the big push in the third period that came up just short? You know, Peter DeBoer is a tremendous coach, and I think that staff, Steve Spot, I worked with closely in Toronto. I actually hired him um, to coach our AHL team in Toronto. Spotter is a, is a neutral zone wizard. And so every single day in his practices, they would practice their neutral zone defense. And to the point where the players were like, we have to do this again? And, and the answer was yes. And they were going to do it for 10 or 15 minutes every day. He's carried that to each team he's coached. And in Dallas, if you look at the first two goals, they're both neutral zone turnovers because of positioning. And the second one, Wyatt Johnson jumps on Cole Perfetti there. And that's a shorthand situation. I didn't like what Mark Shifley did. He flew by. He could have protected Perfetti, who had lost the puck in a little battle with, with the talented young Wyatt Johnson. But 
Mark goes north and thinks the puck's going the other way and is going to take advantage of two Dallas guys getting caught and ends up back in their net. But that is neutral zone, and I think Dallas is one of the most structured teams. They've also done a great job of working the young guys in. I spoke about Wyatt Johnson, but other young guys in the team, Jason Robertson being a great example, that they've worked in Ty Delandria and Thomas Harley now. And maybe they've done a, uh, arguably as good a job as anybody. Everybody talks about working young guys in the lineup and Winnipeg's doing it now at Perfetti, but it's hard to do because of expectation. And and I think that Dallas team is going to be a real handful full of whoever runs in the, in the West. I think they're one of the top teams in the NHL. And the next night they went on to post eight against Minnesota, by the way. So a good game for Winnipeg in a lot of ways. I like, you know, I, I like the emergence of Paul Graffetti. I like the lurking he did on his first goal. He didn't rush into a spot. He took the rebound, but he didn't press forward unreasonably. Um, and that's a real important sign. And Shankly makes a real good play on the second one. Uh, the scoring machine, Brendan Dillon, that's becoming norm. <laughs> what a week that. he's had. Isn't that great? It's crazy. <laughs> Don't you think he could line up for the Bombers at, like, outside backer? Like, wouldn't he be – he'd be fine. Maybe strong safety. You know what? He'd, he'd blow a few dudes up, I'll tell you <laughs> that, in the, uh, in the middle. <laughs> I'd nominate him for that. Yeah, number five. I don't know if it fits on the defense. We'll find a place for him. Uh, Willie Jefferson is probably keeping the five for the time being, but we'll we'll figure out a number for Brendan Dillon if uh, if he wants to double dip. Uh, you mentioned Cole Perfetti, and listen, there was that play, and you know it's it's amazing. We always talk about how he thinks the game, but I'm not sure if you heard what he had to say afterwards. I mean, he completely broke that play down. Already knew what he might do differently next time. Um, he seems to be growing game after game after game. Well, what did you think about his play? Obviously, he had the big goal on Saturday, but just, um, you know, his development through this year, comfort, and frankly, playing with Nikolai Ehlers, who, for my money, had one of, if not his best game of the season. Agreed. Maybe the perfect guy in the middle is Nemesnikov for those two guys. Um, pretty stable, in the right place all the time. If you watch him, how he comes from below on the breakout, and if I'm a winger posted high on the boards, there's nothing I want better. I, I did it as a centerman, um, and that's come from below. And it just makes your life so much easier. You feel like you're protected in that spot. But Perfetti, maybe just a little more time on the wing that he has at center, not quite the defensive responsibilities, although he's capable. He doesn't have to do it on an every shift basis. And then learning how to think outside the box like Nikolai Ehlers does, like, so guys learn or earn the right to use different spaces on the ice, right? And I told a story last week. Um, Timmy Stutzler had a terrible turnover on a goal where he tried to use the middle of the ice in the defensive zone. And and I relate a story that when I first got to Boston with Raymond Bork, it was my second game for the Bruins, my first game in the Boston Garden as a member of the home team. And I was standing in front of the net Shorthanded. So Raymond wins a battle in the corner against two guys, turns around, puts a bullet pass right on my tape. And I handle it and I throw it down the ice. And, you know, before the next face off, he comes over dead straight face, Andrew, and says to me, Hey, yeah, uh, good play there. I'm allowed to use the whole ice, by the way. <laughs> and it was just so <laughs> comical because he was allowed to use the whole ice. 
and guys aren't. And, you know, I think Nikolai Ehlers has earned the ability to use a little more of that ice than Cole Perfetti has so far. But Cole Perfetti's skills will get him to a point where he's allowed to use offensive places on the ice that other people aren't. He's got that kind of skill. You know, the other uh, the other thing that came forth, and I know you mentioned Scheifele's play. I kind of thought that he was maybe getting I'm not sure that that play happens if they're five on five, but the nature of the power play and, you know, feeling the need to go maybe got a little ahead. Uh, but I'll tell you what, I mean, he and Kyle Connor had a monster week. Um, I mean, they were showing up on all the highlight shows. You saw the hat trick from Connor. I mean, uh, both of them put up massive point numbers for the week. Um, but a lot of it was starting in their own end. Um, Scott Arneal talked about it after a couple of the games earlier this week against Nashville and St. Louis. I'm just interested. I mean, this has been a topic uh, around us really through the offseason with the extension of Shifley. But in particular, these guys being rewarded for doing the right things and it's now making them better players and more effective, at least on the score sheet and in the uh, offensive zone? There are a few components to this. And yes, the answer is yes, but there's a few different components to it. And Winnipeg's defense being able and willing to get into the play, the forwards coming back deeper on the breakout to extend it. Now they will, if a team is jamming them, they will extend a forward out. But when you're coming from deep as a unit, it's really hard to defend. And essentially you're creating a gap. So many defensive coaches talk about the gap. They want their defensemen up so there's no gap. Well, if you hang back, you create a gap in front of the defenseman and more space to stay with. And Kyle Connor is so scary in open ice. And Shifley knows that and plays off that well. And I just think they're coming from a little bit deeper with a little bit more speed and able to attack through that neutral zone. Um, you know, and I follow, he's been a really good fit with that guy. I, I really, I really like the way he's fit in, you know, he plays the offside, the power play, they present different options. And I worked the game on Tuesday night, St. Louis game. And we talked about how on the power play, um, Shifley in particular is going all over the ice. He's not posting up always where he likes to post up. They're creating different looks. And so, yeah, I think they're hitting on all cylinders right now. He and Kyle are, and they're, they're thinking the game well. We're still getting used to Iafalo, but he seems to be a nice fit there with them. Uh, you know, speaking of Iafalo, Dave, um, you know, you're, you're exactly right. I mean, the, the, points the the results of that line especially the last week as they've really been clicking um you know speak for themselves uh it won't be too long before Gabriel Villardi is ready to come back he of course started and had a great start playing with the first seven periods with Shifley and Connor now you've got Aya Fallow I mean for Scott Arneal assuming that you know he's still uh taking over the reins uh while uh, while Rick's away at that point what what are the, what goes into the decision making process of where you bring a Velarde back into the lineup? We know that he can play center, and there was a thought that he might play on the on line two at some point. You know, Nemestikov can play up and down the lineup, and I think it's pretty safe to say you don't want to touch that third line. And the fourth line's been playing really well. What goes into the pros and cons and that decision making process as to where Gabriel Velarde goes into the lineup when he does come back and is ready to go? A large part will be wins and losses. So it always is, but I don't think, you know, I mean, he's 
we literally played a couple of games there with those guys. And, and I like the success that number nine has had there. And I'm leaving that together. And I'm, I'm figuring out where Gabe Velarde fits and probably bringing him back slowly. It might be on the fourth line to start with. It might be some special teams work, maybe on the second power play unit to start with. And just make the adjustment and see, this is a good problem to have, creating this kind of depth. I like the way Kupari's skating, by the way. I think, I think you know, he shows the wheels from that center position. Even moving Gustafson over to the wing. You've created some nice options here and some nice depth. Um, you never have too many players at you. I know it's a misconception, like we've got too many good players. You don't. You absolutely don't. And they'll come back and they'll find their way and they'll figure it out. And the coaches will see where they fit best. And it might be a slow re-entry for Gabe Velarde, but I think he's a big picture, big piece of the equation as well. Well, and you mentioned Kapari. I mean, big credit to David Gustafson with what he's done since he's come into the lineup. I mean, uh, it'll be a tough decision just as to who comes out when Gabriel Velarde comes in. But as you said, that's a good problem to have. Um, and the Jets, you know, despite the loss, have uh, looked good. Now you got Jersey coming in, Philly or uh, Buffalo and Arizona this week as they uh, continue this homestead. Um, Pooley, uh, well, just well, we'll quickly ask you about the Devils, and I know there's a chance we might not see Jack Hughes or Nico Heischer, but even when these players have been out, I- I've been just stunned at how much Jesper Bratt stands out, the ability of that blue line to move the puck to some exciting spots. What uh, what should we look forward to seeing when the Devils come down to tomorrow night? And from a Jets perspective, from Scott Arneal's, what are the keys to uh, be able to uh, hopefully get two points against New Jersey? Start with the second one. You're really going to have to respect the neutral zone and the speed and transition they create to the neutral zone. That Jesper brought, man, is he a good player. I had him yeah. early in the year. And he, he like he just commands so much attention. His speed is is ridiculous. And by the way, he wasn't playing with Jack Hughes the night I saw him. Hughes had to puck the whole night. They beat Montreal. It was early in the year. And that's when they were just sort of winning 4-1 every night, <laughs> it seemed like. And Hughes was getting three points every night. He was he might have had four the night I, I did the game. And just, you know, hey, if, if you don't have either of those players in the game, you still have to know that you're getting a handful in Jersey right now. They're they're a deep team, but it's it's going to be not turning the puck over the neutral zone and, and just winning position-wise in the neutral zone. I think you have to be aggressive, and I, I love the way the Jets' defense will stand up when they have protection coming back. The back pressure to the neutral zone is going to be critical. You have to win that space against New Jersey. Uh, Dave, can't have you on on a Monday without talking about what's happening out in Edmonton. I mean, the, the soap opera continues. They play probably their best game of the entire season, win on Saturday, not enough to save Woodcroft's job, and uh, the change was made. Obviously, a lot of talk about the ties of pretty much everyone that's being hired to Connor McDavid. Make some sense of this from us. What what, what was your take on uh, the move that the Oilers made, and how do they go from here? I don't like midseason coaching changes. We've talked about that before. I think it lets the players off the hook too much. Uh, it wasn't all on the coaches. They were trying to institute a new defensive system because over the summer they would have the conclusion that as much as they played in five playoff series in the last two years and won three playoff series and lost both years to the cup champions, it wasn't enough defensively. So they tried to make an adjustment. It flat out didn't work. They thought their goaltending was fixed. It wasn't fixed. Um, the Jack Campbell signing still comes back 
you know, for question. There's no doubt about that. I watched him in Toronto for a couple of years, have a lot of the same struggles he had in Edmonton. And so when you have the magnitude of what they have at the top of the lineup, something's got to change. Now, I suggested, it was on Friday night on the show, that it would be a major trade ahead of a coaching change. They went the other direction. And they brought Chris Knobloch in, who's a talented young coach. And if you think back, you know, he's been, I believe he's been four or five years in, in Hartford with the Rangers organization. But he's a pretty hot commodity, you know, in the coaching ranks of home coming through. And he settled back in the American League. But um, Paul Coffey coming back behind the bench. Or, now, I think Coff was behind the bench for a little while in Arizona. I don't know if he ever got to the bench. I know he had a defensive coaching role in Arizona, but maybe he didn't ever step behind the bench. That's a wrinkle, and we'll see how that plays out. And and um, moving forward, they've got to they've got to be better on the ice. They've just flat out got to be better. I expect a new coach's bump. This is always the case, and guys that haven't been playing well can now play well and say, "Well, it literally wasn't me; it was the coach," which is not true. But that's the way it works. And so you'd expect that Knobloch is, is inheriting a situation that was going to go north at some point here. I don't know if everything was corrected the other night in Seattle, but it was going to go north, and he may be the beneficiary of that. It's such a unique situation in that, you know, Knobloch comes in, they appoint Coffee, who, by the way, is the special advisor to the owner, which uh, I don't know whether that, if, if, I don't know how, if that is an issue at all within it. But um, how much is this about winning games right now? And how much about this is keeping Connor McDavid happy and getting him to sign an extension? Well, it might be another guy in between Connor McDavid and an extension that has to be looked at to play on dry settle. You know, he comes up here earlier. So I think it's all part of it. And, but it's part of getting to the expectations of what this team was. This team coming into this year, they were going to have Echo for the whole year. They were bringing Connor Brown in. Um, their team had had a chance to grow together. And I think that's a critical missed part uh, of teams. You know, they're catering a lot to the top end of their lineup. And you need, you know, forwards seven through twelve, or six through twelve, or five through twelve, or whatever, to be huge factors in order to win. I think that's where, you know, you have the luxury of playing guys together for a long time in that lower heat, if you will. And it just hasn't worked in Edmonton, and and there there are a lot of questions that you pose in terms of the makeup of the new group and the challenge will be there. Huge, huge pressure on on Jeff Jackson as well in his role to get this ship right. Oh, there's no doubt about that. Um, Flames were through uh, T.O. on the weekend. Zadorov has a goal and a big hit. The next thing you know, his agent is uh, telling yeah, people... To... Between those two things that they between <laughs> went up? Like, seriously. I mean, we, uh, we I was joking with friends. I mean, this was a, a, there was a little bit of Pat Brisson from the PLD uh, circus uh, last year in Montreal saying he'd love to play here, but... Um, I mean, part of this is a very uncertain situation going forward in Calgary. But for a guy that's already a UFA, that likely, if he doesn't extend, will probably be traded anyways, what does your agent going public do to help you other than, because I have a feeling internally within that room, it probably won't be received uh, that well. 
But we can't forget what happened a couple of weeks and go in that room when he came out and was pretty vocal about his teammates. Yeah, so then two weeks this, later wants to be traded. This is the second whiplash of that. Now, in fairness to the player, I think it was the player had stated that, you know, that things weren't going well and it would be unlikely that he resigned going forward. I'm not sure if that somehow got translated to the agent as I want to be traded. So I'm not sure if there was a a verbal breakdown somewhere between agent and player. Well, it was pretty weird, Dave, because, I mean, for, at one point in the night, he wants a trade. Half an hour later, CJ and the insiders are saying he would be welcome to a trade to Toronto, of all places. And then Dan Milstein's putting up, go get your Leafs forever tickets. I'm like, what the hell is going on? I mean, it, not a normal interaction of an agent with the player that's under contract for a team in the market that they just say they just played. Yeah, it wouldn't be for my agent. There's no question about it. I don't, not a fan of that at all. I'm going public like that. It seemed to be almost out of amusement's sake from the agent's standpoint. Like, I don't know. It did, didn't make a lot of sense. The timing of it didn't make a lot of sense. We know that they have five, four or five, you know, highly lucrative agents including the three defensemen the commodities of of chris tanev and and uh noah hannison included with the door up and then lindholm up front so a lot of work to do in calgary from a management standpoint but uh that timing of that doesn't make much sense at all no doubt about it pooley uh, before we go what what rinks are you visiting this week so i've got a busy week um i, I was in detroit on Thursday night. And I don't know if you've been on the new Little Caesars rink, but whole oh, make it make it a stopping point. It is tremendous. I've been there a handful of times now. One of my favorite new rinks. A great rink to call a game in. And by the way, they didn't forget the broadcasters when they built the rink. The broadcasting's perches are perfect, right above the ice and great level. Um, and then I was okay. So that was, and then uh, Friday night, I, I was in Toronto for Calgary. I've been busy schedules. Last night, I was in Montreal. I'm in Montreal Tuesday night and Thursday night. So I have Calgary here tomorrow night, Thursday night. I have Vegas. And then right back for a 2 o'clock game Friday afternoon. So I'm doing the uh, Toronto Red Wings game from Sweden, the one three pregame show. So early morning flight Friday. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think the... The CBA wouldn't allow me to do this many games if I were a player in this period of time, but uh, it's all good from my standpoint. Hey, you're uh, you're the workhorse for TSN and for us. Dave, thank you so much for uh, doing this. And uh, enjoy the Grey Cup on Sunday. Book a little time off. Uh, wear blue. You'll be happy at the end of the game. Always fun, and good luck with your bombers, buddy. Thanks, Dave. Uh, great stuff with Dave Poulin. Uh, we'll have a lot more on the Jets tomorrow. And actually, we've got few updates to get to about Jersey and Winnipeg just for you in a second. But if you are looking for a little bit more on the week that was for the Winnipeg Jets, Connor Hrabchak has a new episode of Winnipeg Jets this week up on the Winnipeg Sports Talk channel. If you're a podcast listener, it'll be there in your podcast feed. Give it a listen. And if you're with us live on YouTube or watching YouTube after the fact, just go to the Winnipeg Sports Talk page. You'll see that. And, uh, Connor just continued to do a great, great job of uh, that. A nice new addition to the Winnipeg Sports Talk channel for all of you on Monday mornings. Speaking of the Jets, big game tomorrow night against the New Jersey Devils where they'll uh, attempt to start a new winning streak. 
You're catching the Devils at a good time, although not great for hometown fans. Would have loved to have had a chance to see Jack Hughes in person. We'll have to wait for the cup final for that, I guess, this year in Winnipeg. Um, uh, no Jack Hughes and no Nico Heischer. So uh, two big, big injuries for New Jersey right now when they come tomorrow night to Canada Life Centre. And don't forget, Friday night, Saturday night, the Sabres and Coyotes are here as this road trip continues. Great crowd on Saturday afternoon. Um, you know, I'm not sure whether it was part of, uh, you know, doing the team doing a great job of doing group tickets, but a lot of those sections that had been more empty at times in the upper bowl were full. And I got to give a big credit to all of the fans who really did bring it. I mean, I'm notoriously down on afternoon games because I find that they usually don't have the jam, the energy in the crowd that a lot of the evening games do. That was not the case at all. Great energy in the building, really nice crowd, really good to see. And I think the team's, uh, you know, bringing a lot of people back right now with the way that they're playing. Jets, Devils tomorrow, and then Friday and Saturday night games. Get out there if you haven't before and check out winnipegjets.com. I did uh, talk to uh, a friend at the organization. I know they're going to be uh, doing some uh, Black Friday and Cyber Monday sales. So if you uh, have been uh, waiting maybe to get in on a ticket package or some tickets, keep an eye out for some good deals coming up soon. All right, we're, uh, I guess we're officially in. Uh, congratulations to, I know Scott Westman was uh, one of our qualifiers. The other qualifier, of course, was T. Will for our contest with Vita Health and Prairie Naturals this month. Whoa, look at, look at Trevor Linden, how good he looks. That, obviously, that's Prairie Naturals for you. You look as good as Trevor Linden taking care of yourself with a trip to Vita Health and the Prairie Naturals packages. We've got, we, whoops, don't want to hit that mic. We've got this amazing Trevor Linden signed jersey. That piece you see there is the Certificate of Authenticity. Um, beautiful autograph on it. Just an absolutely gorgeous jersey. Uh, one lucky WST winner or viewer is going to win that, as well as this, the entire line of Prairie Naturals Supplements which of course are uh, on sale this month for Men's Health Month over at Vita Health Fresh Market. So keep an eye on our Instagram page and keep an eye at winnipegsportstalk.com. We'll have a place where you can go in and uh, and enter what we'll be doing. Just simply follow the, uh, the uh, directions on the Instagram post, which will be up a little later on, as well as the uh, instructions at the website. We'll be picking a qualifier each show up until November 30th, and on the final day of Men's Health Month, everyone that's qualified will be in a special marble race, and the winner will get both the jersey and the full line of Canada's number one men's health brand, Prairie Naturals, and all of their supplements. So uh, big shout-out to our friends at Vita Health Fresh Market for, uh, for that, and I know they are busy this month because, of course, it is Men's Health Month, a very, very important month, and Prairie Naturals, offers Canada's number one line of men's health supplements formulated to help support the changing needs, needs of a man's body and help a male's address the challenges with prostate health, andropause, low libido, testosterone, stress, male energy and performance. And as I mentioned, they are all on sale this month at Vita Health Fresh Market, six Winnipeg locations, empowering people to lead healthy lives. And you can also order online at their fully shoppable website at myvita.ca. So check out Instagram and our site for those contests and 
get qualified for the big marble race for a great prize thanks to Vita Health and Prairie Naturals at the end of the month. Um, shout out to our friends over at Wallace and Wallace. You've seen their fences and trucks all over the city. They've been the experts since 1946, serving residential and commercial customers. But what you might not know is they're also the experts in overhead garage doors. And that overhead garage door had lots of ups and downs this summer and fall, but it's about to work a whole lot harder because winter puts much more stress on a garage door. The right time to prevent downtime this winter is now. Call Wallace & Wallace to book your inspection and maintenance service call today for residential and commercial overhead door sales and service. There's only one name or two you need to know, and that is Wallace and & Wallace. And hey, a big shout out to the fellas over at F Apparel. They're getting ready for the holidays. Guys, if you're looking into your closet and realize, I need to up my menswear game, uh, head on down to F Apparel over at uh, 190 Smith Street downtown. Number one spot in Winnipeg for men's clothing, including custom suits beginning at just 400 bucks along with chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles, and an incredible selection of menswear accessories. 15% discount for wedding parties, as well as, right now, great deal on gift cards heading into the holidays. So, uh, you know, if someone in your circle or family might benefit from uh, a trip to F Apparel, think about one of those F Apparel gift cards for uh, for the upcoming holiday season all right we're going to bring in dustin nielsen in just a minute uh remo we do have a couple updates from uh from the jet side of things i just dropped the devil's news that we won't see jack hughes and we won't see nisho nico heischer um what did we learn coming out of jets practice today well first we got to give a shout out to kyle connor named the nhl's second star of the week sam reinhardt of the panthers was the first star third star william nylander was due to make some big money uh kyle connor uh, and just an incredible stretch there. He had his fifth career hat trick, second consecutive multi-goal game, but he had four points in that uh, game against the Preds. So uh, shout out to Kyle Connor, who him and Mark Shafley were kind of, they were less than point per game. They've kind of rocketed up to the top uh, top 10 and NHL scoring. And Gabe, you know, the update everyone's asked about, Gabe Velarde continues to skate uh, on his own with a knee brace. It's now been four weeks since he suffered that injury against the LA Kings. They gave him a four to six week timeline. It's possible next week he starts skating with the team and a popular topic already has been, where is he? Where is he going to fit in? And I'll show this. talked about that with with Dave Poulin. Yeah. Not an easy question, but a a good conversation to have considering how well Mm -hmm. everyone else is playing. And we're all waiting for the Jets to debut Mm -hmm. their their 48 RCAF-inspired jerseys. And here's some of the goalies and players testing out the gear. These are going to look good, man. Check out these. Oh, those are sick. Check out these pads. Here, let me zoom in on these pads. Here's the Jets social media looking old school. Oh, Uh, those are going to look so good with those kits. Oh, man. And then here's... Oh, wait. I clicked on the wrong. And here's... This is Hellebuck. His kit... These are pretty pretty sharp. Uh, Showed to I guess some true gear there, but here's the players. The there's Perfetti with the old school tan glove <laughs> with the light <laughs> blue sharp. light blue bower. Those are nice. And do we get one more? Uh, oh, here's Lowry with the mustache. Sorry, podcast listeners, you're gonna have to check out the Jet social media or check us out on YouTube. There's the tan glove. So that was for all you gearheads. Us, uh, the Jets rocking 
rocking that in. I guess no like updates. It's so funny. Like, you know, we're talking to Dusty. You don't forget to Oilers. Like they're mixing up the lines every day. Like McDavid's got a new partner. The Jets haven't changed their lines uh, for weeks here. One swap. It was like if it ain't broke, don't fix it. They say. Um, That's certainly not what they're saying in Edmonton right now. We're gonna head there in just a second and talk to Dustin Nielsen. By the way, Kyle Connor, second star of the week. Yeah. Where the hell was Brendan Dillon scoring star? <laughs> what do you have, four last week? I guess technically the Arizona game counted as the previous week. Yeah. That should have been included in this week just to get him up. But what a week for Brendan Dillon. Four goals. Um, shooting the puck a little bit more and good things are happening. Um, all right, anyways, we'll have uh, tons more on the Jets. Mike McIntyre will join us tomorrow before the homestand continues against the New Jersey Devils tomorrow night. But uh, let's bring in my pal, co-host of The Lock Shop. Uh, we uh, crank it out noon before WST, Monday to Friday, over at the Edmonton Sports Talk channel. And uh, he was a busy guy this weekend because he was here calling the Bombers beat down to the British Columbia Lions. And I'm looking forward to seeing him in, uh, next week in Hamilton where he'll be doing the radio broadcast call of the Grey Cup. Let's welcome in the always popular Dustin Nielsen. What is up, Dusty? A long time no talk. How are you? What's going on, Winnipeg? Thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, nothing to talk about in Edmonton, so that's great. And uh, mostly focused on the Grey Cup, I guess, buddy. Yeah, well, I mean, certainly that's what we want to talk about first. Um, what uh, what was it like calling that game? You've done a lot of games here in Winnipeg before. We heard Adam Big Hill, Mike O'Shea, Zach Caleros talk about the incredible crowd support. Uh, and Big Hill said that's as loud as he's ever heard that building. I'm sort of with him. I mean, it was absolute bedlam. And between the crowd and the bomber defense, they uh, understood the assignment and made it a uh, a horrific three hours for the British Columbia Lions offense, in particular Vernon Adams, who who gutted it out playing hurt, but um, nine sacks. I mean, what an evening at IG Field. I felt bad for VA, man. Like, he he got hurt early. He tried to grind it out. He lost his number one weapon. And, like, nobody's going to roll into IG Field in the playoffs and beat the Bombers right now. Like, that's just that's just not going to happen. Even if the Bombers offensively don't pay, play great, it doesn't matter. I mean, you just see what happens with that team. As far as the fan base goes, um, I said it this morning on the Smash It Nielsen show here at Edmonton Sports Talk, but, like, there's no better atmosphere sports-wise in this country than a home playoff game at IG field over the last couple of years. It's just not, I mean, even the great cup will be different because it'll be fan bases, you know, fans from every, every team in there just looking to enjoy the game. The IG field crowd brings it. I always, I always look down to the, the dudes in the one end who have their shirts off, no matter how cold it is. And I look down there, you know, it, when it was, well, the bombers are kind of in control of the game and obviously they were, they were tarps off. They were having a good time. Um, but yeah, I look at this entire situation right now um with the winnipeg blue bombers and oh, i think we just lost him we just lose dusty we get a uh some of the uh we'll get dusty right back in um jeff bow's most i ever stood at a football game was fun oh yes and t Conapoli, dusty has the smartest son <laughs> marshall young eight-year-old marshall who obviously watches all of dad's games on the tube um, you know, has been to some Elks games, but is a uh, tried and true Bomber fan. He loves Zach Caleros. Dusty tweeted out a picture 
the other day uh, after the game of Marshall sitting by the TV, watching dad call the game, wearing his Blue Bombers 8 jersey. And uh, it is funny. You would have never thought that. You would have never thought that before, Reem. Um, but, you know, if you're a young person, there, there there's the picture of Marsh <laughs> looking like a chip, uh, definite chip off the old block, sporting that beautiful blue jersey in front of his favorite player, Zach Caleros, <laughs> while his number one, while the guy he's the number one fan of was uh, was calling the game. I think we've got uh, we've got Dusty back. I just uh, while we lost you, I uh, uh, we teed up. Uh, someone was saying in the chat, Dusty has the smartest son in yeah. Canada, and there he is. He you know, he knows where it's at in the he, CFL right he now. He is a huge Bombers fan, and I know Edmontonians would be like, "How'd you let your kid become a Bombers fan?" And then other fans around like, "Sorry, I lost you. The computer I was on here just completely shut down and restart. I've never seen that happen before. <laughs> I had to get up and restart. I was like, "What's going on?" Um, but yeah, Marshall, yeah, they won great cups when he was five and six. Last year he was devastated. He he hates Chad Kelly. Like <laughs> he does not like Chad Kelly at all. So he was loving the, the but I I'm like I've raised a passionate CFL fan. You see he had his little glove on there, right? He's got his little quarterback glove on his other hand, just like Zach Kalora sometimes. He's <laughs> so he's all fired up. He's got like the little isotoner on his left hand. Um and uh yeah, Santa brought him that jersey last year but he loves he loves nick dembski he loves zach Kolaris, he loves brady Oliveira, and like he he loves the bombers so much that my wife has been like you know when you go call a bombers game next year you should bring the entire family so marshall can meet these guys and actually watch a bombers game at ig field so yeah i have raised a little bomber freak buddy like he runs routes in our living room and he'll be like i'm gonna run a dembski and he'll run like a little bit of a <laughs> a shorter route. And then he'll be like, shown, shown. And he'll take off down the field. And I got to hit him down the field. So like, it's, I, I love seeing kids be this invested in the Canadian football league. I mean, it makes sense that mine are because daddy's away for half the year on weekends doing it. And they're watching every game, but uh, yeah, man, I'm, it's fun. It's cute. You should, I have a video. I'll have to text you the video. Like right when I was like, and Zach Kolaris will be the first quarterback ever to start four. And then the game kind of, that's right at the end of the game. And he, I got a video of him, and he's, like, slamming his football. And he's, like, like LeBron, like, walking <laughs> along. And he goes, that's what I'm talking about. Like, he's just, oh, it's hilarious. It's hilarious. Um, listen, before we lost it, you were talking about, uh, you know, just the crowd. Yeah. The vibe here in Winnipeg and how Bomber fans crank it up. And I'll say this. We were giving some props to the Bomber Game Ops people earlier on. Um, some of the best instructions we've ever seen. Qu- offense, be quiet defense no huddle bring it and the best the bc lions have requested silence at ig field please respond accordingly i mean uh, it was uh, it was everything that you'd want in a football game and the crowd was a huge part of it yeah they were i mean there's a reason that the bc lions prepped all week at bc place with music and noise just blaring right they they knew that especially this year because the weather was actually pretty darn nice for that time of year, whether it's here and anywhere in Western Canada, basically they knew that the, um, you know, the noise factor was going to be a major, major difference. So take pride in that. All you fans at IG field. Cause uh, it's a major, major home advantage. That's why we thought, you know, all along that week 18 game was so big. I mean, if BC is oh. able to close that one out late and they had it and they let it slip away, that's a completely different. You don't have to go out to IG field and deal with the noise and you get to play on a fast track at home. 
um, which could have made could have made a little bit more of a difference there for them. So, um, yeah, it was it was quite the scene, buddy. You you've called a lot of games. Where does that defensive performance stand up amongst the uh, the best you've ever seen? Yeah, I mean, it would be up there. I mean, the other ones would just be like bombers defenses over the last few years, <laughs> like that that one stretch where like what was it they hadn't allowed a point in the fourth quarter for like nine games or 10 <laughs> games or 11 games like so that the defense is actually like i think overall as a group in the past we've seen it be more dominant for a longer stretch of time but like they probably could have ended up having like 15 sacks if vernon adams wasn't so elusive like he had he had no time basically any time the only time he ever had any time would be when they decided to only bring three-man rush and even when they did that, they still sort of forced him out of the pocket sometimes. So excellent defensive performance. I mean, just I don't want to take anything away from anybody else, you know, down the field. Kyrie Wilson, these guys who, you know, uh, Demario Houston, guys who made picks. But it all starts with the pressure of the defensive line and the getting the hands up with Jeff Code and Jefferson. And I mean, Cody Fajardo is not going to sleep all week because he's going to have to get ready for a steady diet of those guys in his face as well. Well, we'll have plenty of time to talk about this game you're going to be out there later on i know there's lots of people wondering if you're calling the game you won't be doing the tv broadcast but the uh, radio broadcast i have no idea whether it's even going to be available in winnipeg considering um the fact that our old station doesn't exist anymore i mean not, I, maybe, I, I, maybe I OB will have it on i think yeah i think in markets where where there isn't a tsn station and there's not many of them anymore i'm pretty sure you can pick it up and uh, I would I would think OB probably has the option to do that. I don't know why they wouldn't. Um, but yeah, it usually gets picked up by like you know thirteen or fourteen different stations across the country. So you can find a way. And if you uh, if you want, it'll be myself and Marshall Ferguson. And uh, I've always wanted to work with Marshall as a color man because he's a hell of an analyst. I've like, been talking about that for a long time. I mean, yeah. he's got the quarterback mind. It, it would be listen. I think that that's a dream team for the future. Two of the brightest. Uh, I think it'll be young. fun. Like we're, yeah, I think it's going to be really fun. Um, I've mentioned to you a few times. I'm like, man, I wouldn't mind having you do color once in a while, just because he's so smooth. He can do play by play, and he's good at it. But he also just has like this mind that I don't have, right? Like he can do both. I can't do color. I'm a play by play guy. Um, so I think I think he's going to shine for sure. We're actually going to be co-hosting uh, Great Cup Saturday together as well on TSN, which will be which would be a lot of fun. That's like that four hour sort of day before show with everything going on at the great cup, which should be a lot of fun as well. But yeah, you can just turn it on and, uh, and listen, I got to do that last time in the overtime, uh, the interception, which uh, yeah. I lost my mind. <laughs> it was fun. So I hope we get another thrilling finish, buddy. Does, does uh, Marsh ever drop uh, what is happenings on you? Just well, I, might uh, have to, I might have to suck it out of him a little bit here. Hey, eh? we'll see. <laughs> Come on, give me one Marsh. Give me one. Well, look, <laughs> It's not like we're not going to take it seriously. It's the radio, obviously, but we'll be able to have a little bit of fun on the radio broadcast for sure. Um, oh, I was actually meeting up. Marshall back at home. Does he drop the what is happenings? Uh, oh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe Caleros Jr. in uh, in number eight uh, out there in uh, out there in Edmonton. Oh, yeah, yeah, little Marsh. Okay, yeah. <laughs> um, listen, as I said, we're going to talk much more about this game um, coming up, but uh, over the course of the week, Edmonton sports talk, Winnipeg sports talk, the lock shop, what plenty. And, and actually, if you do want a little bit more on this game, make sure to go back and check out today's lock shop because we kind of spent the first 15 minutes or so kicking that around over on the EST channel. Um, but just a quick thought on what the hell happened to the Toronto Argonauts. I mean, 16 and two, I was at the hockey game, so I saw none of it. I, we were just getting updates going, is this for real? 
another turnover, another turnover. Oh my God, another pick six. Like there wasn't really a blueprint for winning your division with a third of the season left. But considering what happened, I think there is a natural questioning of, um, you know, how they handled Chad Kelly, the game here in Winnipeg, just not playing him at all. I mean, um, easy to Monday morning quarterback after it, but I mean, no execution. And uh, here come the Montreal Alouettes, who I don't think many had playing for for it all in the Grey Cup. Yeah, I certainly don't want to take anything away from the Alouettes defense because that's clearly the strength of that team, and they are legit. They got some excellent playmakers and some great midseason pickups by Machocha and Moss. I mean, they've they've really built a monster there defensively. Um, I did have people on my show today slide in. We, I mean, obviously the show was sidetracked by the Oilers today, but I wanted to spend more time talking about these two games. Um, but I did see some people slide in and says that's what you get for dodging the Bombers uh, if you're Chad Kelly, but. Uh, look, Kelly had a phenomenal season, but going into that game, if you're like, well, why wouldn't the Argos win it? You could say, you know, they haven't played a real game in six weeks, which cannot be easy for a football team to sort of just flip that switch. And Kelly was under fire, man. I, after the game, I was talking with a few guys from our other panel and they were like, yeah, it was one of the worst quarterbacking performances that we've seen in CFL playoff history. Like that's, that's legitimately what they were saying. A couple horrible reads. Uh, and then it got to the point where the poor guy was just trying to do so much that he made some errors that, you know, in a, in a tight ball game when he's not trying to maybe stretch it out a little bit, he wouldn't have made those, those mistakes. So, you know, this is going to happen. He came in last year late, made a couple of great plays, won a great cup, was part of a team this year that literally faced zero adversity. That's, I'm very intrigued to see how he and that team bounces back next year. I'd assume they'd be a really, really good team in the uh, the East again, probably be back in a similar spot, and I would assume he'll be better for it because of what happened this past weekend. Yeah, there were some real positives despite the face plant to the Argos, um, although it sucks for the league for them to have that great crowd and great atmosphere and have the team shit to bed the way they did. Um but uh, Scott Westman, Westman says the East final TV ratings were up 43% over last year. Wow. We know, what the, we know what the crowd was. So, I mean, more great. It's been a great year on TSN for the Canadian Football League, and it continues to grow. Oh, That's huge. And Love our it. buddy Tyson Ducharme, who I did see at halftime in the game, uh, said that was him in the Edmonton Sports Talk chat. Oh. saying <laughs> that uh, there's a lot of WSTers that get up early and jump in uh, jump in on that. And Tyson was also one of those maniacs in the North End, shirtless for the fourth quarter in the game. So um, overall, listen, this is going to be a great, great cup. We cannot wait to get out there. Shows from Hamilton Thursday, Friday. We'll probably do something Saturday as well on the channel. And then... Uh, a big one coming back on Monday after the big game. Dusty, I can't have you on without talking about the uh, story that pretty much hijacked everything in Edmonton this week. Um, you know, it was funny. We finished the game, went to the bar afterwards, had something to eat, turned the game on. Oh, the Oilers are up for nothing. <laughs> it was 29-6 in shots after two. It's like they seem to play a little defense. They win the game. Maybe the best performance of the year. And then Jay Woodcroft gets fired. Um, Make some sense of all of this. I I know you guys did some great live programming yesterday, sort of broke in with Awanek and Gazzola. You jumped on from the Winnipeg airport. Um, What do you make of the decision to do it the way they did it? And how how is the new appointments being received by Oiler fans? 
Uh, well, it all looks a little dysfunctional, to be honest with you. Like, apparently the decision to fire Woodcroft was made on Saturday afternoon. Then the team goes out and plays arguably their best game of the season, and they fire the head coach, which, look, man, like, I, I, think, I think they're going to turn it around now. I think they would have turned it around with Jay Woodcroft. Like, we sit here and go, oh, their goaltending's awful. Their defense is awful. Look, we know their defense is awful. Their defense was no good last year. Their goaltending really wasn't that good last year. The only difference here is that they're not scoring goals at almost four goals per game. They're scoring goals below average for even a regular NHL team at like 2.5, 2.6 goals per game. Those goals are going to come. Connor McDavid isn't even a point per game right now. Yet, Do you think that's going to continue? No chance. So they're going to turn it around because they're going to be able to score goals. I don't know how a drought like this can continue. Uh, so I would have – I thought – they would have been fine if they just stuck with Jay Woodcroft. Jay Woodcroft, over the last two years, um, came in partway through a year, took them to a conference final. Last year had 109 points, which was the most points they had in a season since 85-86. Lose to the Vegas Golden Knights in what some people kind of thought was essentially the Stanley Cup final. Whoever came out of it was going to win. Has like 100 combined wins over the last two seasons. Looks like everything's heading in the right direction. They finally got some stability. And then after 13 games this year, they fire him. And I know they weren't good games. But at the same time, you have this guy who literally wasn't even here for two calendar years. Won you three playoff rounds in 100 regular season games. And you can him after 13 games. It doesn't really add up to me. McDavid and Dreisaitl spoke today. And, uh, you know, they said that he didn't lose the room. David said he was super surprised by the announcement. I don't know if you could be super surprised when you hear it in the media for, for two weeks that your coach could be on the outs. Um, but yesterday, it just it looked weird. It was Jeff Jackson, who's the CEO of hockey, and Ken Holland, who's the general manager. Ken Holland, was they were asked if you, know, if you discussed this decision with the players. Ken Holland came in and, and said, yeah, yeah, I talked to a lot of the players this past week. I can't tell you what they said to me, but it does factor into my decision. And then he passed it right over to Jeff Jackson, who said none of the players were involved in this. So they, there's miscommunication there. Paul Coffey, who's an advisor to like the owner and basically on par with the CEO of hockey, has now been placed on the bench to help with the defense. He's never Does he even know it. this guy that's He's the ne- coach? Well, no, not until prior to a phone call the other day. <laughs> so now he's going to go on the bench with zero NHL coaching experience and try to fix a blue line that's an absolute disaster. Uh, I almost feel bad for Chris Knobloch getting thrown into this situation right now. The good news is that no matter who's coaching, they're not going to be any worse. It's only going to get better. So he's got a nice little window here to kind of take advantage of a team that's going to get back to at least scoring goals they used to at the rate they used to, and he should be able to take advantage of that and maybe build something off of it. But yeah, during the during the press conference yesterday, they asked Paul Coffey about you know becoming the assistant coach, and he literally said, "Yeah, at first I said no, I didn't really want to do this, but you know they you know I'll do anything that the Edmonton Oilers need because he loves the organization." So then he said he eventually started of changed his mind on it. So we'll see how this plays out, buddy. But this is, this is, I think this is the most critical moment in the Connor McDavid era for the Edmonton Oilers. Either this works out and, you know, they win a cup over the next couple of years and Connor McDavid stays forever, or it fails and everybody looks at it and goes, you just tried to make Connor McDavid happy by bringing in a former coach of his and his agent and his former line mate, and it backfired on you. And it's and it's a disaster. So yesterday might have been the biggest day of the Connor McDavid era. Well, and, and the thing is, you know, you do make a great point that he's coming in at such a low, it can only get better. The problem is that because of this horrible start, 
and the strength of the Pacific Division, they are really up against it, especially yeah. going into a pretty tough part of the schedule to get this thing figured out and fast because even like playing 500, which would be a big improvement, does nothing for them after the start that they've had. They pretty much need to win at about a 650 clip, which was Jay Woodcroft's career winning percentage with the Edmonton Oilers, which just happened to be the highest of all time. So, I mean, they need they need the group to get back to where they were with Jay Woodcroft five months ago. But to do it now with a legendary Edmonton Oiler who has no coaching experience and a, a guy who'd been coaching for four and a half years with the New York Rangers American League affiliate and passed over for a promotion to their main club twice. So it's a risky move, but we'll see if it plays out. Um, what... Uh... <laughs> What do you expect tonight from the Oilers? I see someone in chat, Timmy Two Shoes, just wondering if I should sprinkle on the Islanders tonight or not. I mean, is this going to be more of the same from Saturday? Or, I mean, I what? I would think they win tonight, man. Like if they don't, Tommy's post game show on Edmonton Sports Talk is going to hit like two thousand live viewers. It's going to be absolutely insane. Um, I think they'll. Look, I, I there's about six games this year where I was on my show being like, there's no way they lose tonight. Look at the spot they're in. Of course they should win. So me sitting here saying I think they win tonight probably means nothing. The Islanders have lost four in a row, so they got to be pretty desperate for a dub as well. And the others, Islanders can play some pretty stingy hockey at times. So we'll see if uh, we'll see if they kind of turn this into a little. Uh, mud fest tonight against the uh, against the Oilers. Just before we go, there are many rumors flying around the Canadian media scene that this ridiculous start of the Oilers was in fact a sabotage by Edmonton Sports Talk. You launch the new shows, <laughs> you, everyone knows where you're there, and the next thing that happens, the Oilers are going into the tank, everything. Edmonton is on fire, and... Uh, Tommy's got 1,200 people, uh, 1,200 angry Oilers yeah. fans in the chat, and you guys are firing up for another 1,000 after they fire the GM on a Sunday. I don't, I don't want, like, I want this team to have success for the fans, but anybody who's worked in the media knows that sports talk is way better when the team is struggling, and this team could not struggle. Like, they've struggled in the past, but not as the Stanley Cup favorite coming out of the gate with three wins and firing a head coach that people in the market were trying to make a case to win the Jack Adams last year. So it's been quite a, it's been quite a month, buddy. And uh, we are reaping some of the benefits here from a viewership perspective at Edmonton Sports Talk. But uh, I guess that's why you set something like this up, right, buddy? Yeah, well, good luck to Gazola if they don't win tonight. And uh, folks, if you haven't already checked it out over Edmonton Sports Talk on YouTube, Dusty and the fellas firing up 7 a.m., Winnipeg time, a great way to start your day with the boys over there. Uh, I'll see you tomorrow in the lock shop. Have a good one tonight. Sounds good, buddy. Enjoy the rest of your show. Good stuff. There is our pal, Dustin Nielsen. Uh, we're going to stick with some b- more bomber talk. We got to get Westy on here. Just before we do that, a big thanks to our friends at Princess Auto. How about that crowd at the Princess Auto tailgate zone before the game last night uh, or the game on Saturday? Um, everything about Saturday was magical, including the pregame party. Shout out to everyone that showed up early if you weren't at the hockey game. Uh, and, of course, Princess Auto proud sponsors the Bombers and Winnipeg Sports Talk and the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Visit them on Panet Road or Portage Avenue West in Winnipeg or shop online 24-7-365 at princessauto.com. 
Um, hey, who's ready for the Grey Cup? If you are not, get down to Royal Sports. I know the uh, there'll be a lot of people jumping in for bomber gear, getting ready for Grey Cup. So I would suggest do it earlier as opposed to closer to game day. Uh, but Royal Sports does have a massive bomber section with the latest and many exclusives that you won't find anywhere else. Um, and definitely, if you're heading to Hamilton, pop into Royal to uh, make sure you got your blue on before going to the game. A huge Jets merchandise section selection as well. All the jerseys, tons of exclusives as well for the Winnipeg Jets. Literally thousands of pieces of Jets merchandise. It is the place to go to cross off all of the local sports fans off your holiday list. And of course, they also have the biggest and best hockey selection in town. It's all they're waiting for you. Royal Sports, 750 Pemina Highway. And give them a follow on Instagram as well, at Royal Sports Pemina, for the latest merchandise drops and sale information. And hey, we got an interesting Monday nighter tonight. The uh, Broncos have won two in a row. They're taking on the Bills. Bills, seven and a half point favorites. We'll get to the lines later on. But if you're looking for a great spot to watch the game tonight, you know Boston Pizza is there for you. I've been to BP for most of the Monday nighters. Always have a great time. Ice cold schooners, world famous BP wings, gourmet pizzas, and great NFL prizes on Monday night football nights as well, including nightly specials. So get on to your local BP tonight for the Broncos and Bills. And if you're not going to the Jet game tomorrow night, next best place in the arena to be is in your local Boston Pizza. All right, let's welcome in. Troy Westwood to uh, talk a little bombers. Westy, what's going on? Thanks for jumping on today. We couldn't get ready for Great Cup Week without a visit from our friend Westy. How are you? Living the dream, Husk. I'm just wondering, though, as I'm making my way around, how many times a week do you cook for yourself? I'm just, I got the feeling, the, the vibe that you, you know, you're always, you probably walk into any establishment. Get, get your meals paid for, sit down, do your little t talk, chatting with everybody, and live a pretty good life from a dining standpoint, I would imagine. Well, yes. Uh, I, I mean, listen, the weekly over-under is usually 0.5. And, <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> and, the, and there's a lot of unders. <laughs> there's a lot That's of outstanding. unders. <laughs> that is outstanding. Hey, you know what? I maintain cooking for one's the worst. You waste stuff. You put it all together. I've just found the hard way that sometimes it's just easier to, you know, support local businesses <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and make the odd uh, make the odd skip order as well. Um, Wesley, what would you think of that performance by the Bombers on Saturday? This this team. I think we all had confidence that they have established a championship level of football and they bring their best at the most important times. But holy smokes, I mean, focusing in on the defense. I mean, that it was bully ball. We've been calling it all day long. I mean, you don't need your MOP quarterback to throw for 350 when you're bludgeoning a team on the line of scrimmage and in the middle of November in Winnipeg, it seems like that is the perfect formula for victory. It was it was impressive and, and a lot of fun to watch. A little bit wonky though, right? Like they it felt like like they should have been able to put away BC and, and destroy any dreams of theirs to possibly uh push it late in the game like that. So it was, I felt a little bit scary, a little bit so you surprised that didn't go to uh, utilize the run game more than they did. Listen, it was it was a little strange. Um because when you are in a situation where you're having such continuous success running the football, and as we all know, I mean, that wears a defense down. That takes a toll on them. Um, 
I was a little surprised that maybe Brady didn't end up, you know, closer to 30 carries than the the, the 21 that he had. Um, but I think, uh, you know, a lot of that probably was dictated by the defense where they knew there was they were losing the football game if they didn't get a handle on that at that point. And maybe it forced the Bombers to do uh, to do a few uh, a few other things. But to your point about just how it got a little hairy there, it really did feel like how in the world is this game as close as it is? I, I mean, the Hail Mary at the end of the first half, and that was the one big offensive play. Yeah. You know, unfortunate and a very unfortunate time to do it. But you know, credit to them for getting a, getting it passed. But you get that field goal early on, and like in the fourth quarter, this was still a five-point football game. That being said, Westy, with the way the Bomber defense was playing, I mean, Vernon Adams had no time. He was, I mean, valiant in effort on a sprained MCL trying to get out, but it was just wave after wave of Blue Bombers. And, you know, they'd come up with a get, they get ball with a big drive, and the next thing you know, it's third and 37 because he'd been sacked a couple times. I mean, I can't say enough about how ferocious the bomber defense was, but a lot of credit has to go to the DBs as well for the coverage. Um, because even if you wanted to get rid of it quickly, you didn't really have guys open. Yeah. And I, I know ultimately that his numbers weren't very impressive, but I thought, and bully Mitchell was saying this at half time, they should be pushing the ball down the field a little bit. And I don't know, man, like uh, in the you know, mid to late third and early stages of fourth for sure. I was a little bit concerned that, Maybe they were do that. It's a dang good thing that they were getting so much pressure on them and things of that nature. But I, I feel more apprehensive and nervous watching that game than, than uh, celebrating the fact that the the defense came through like that. Thank goodness that they did. And I was really mystified, like what we touched on earlier, for the run game to be as wickedly dominating as it was there, and then just kind of pull the emergency break. But that 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 was strange. But I. I think I was more excited watching the first game yesterday than the second game. I was, I was there's a lot of scared in that second game a little bit for me. Yeah. Um, well, just quickly, I mean, uh, <laughs> the Alouettes, I don't know. Well, I know a couple people, Mo Khan picked the Alouettes. He'll be joining us tomorrow. I'm sure he'll do a victory lap about that pick. And I think Chris O'Leary at CFL.ca had it. Um, but man, I mean, like I, I imagine it was—it's a long, long day at the office today for uh, the Argos coaching staff. Just wondering, did we handle this properly? I mean, they played so well; they earned the opportunity to not risk players at particular times. They didn't play a meaningful game for the last month and a half of the season. They opted to not go head to head with the Bombers on September 29th and sat Chad Kelly. Uh, and it just seemed like they were not ready for the big stage after cruising in the second half of the season. I would love to see uh, somewhat of an in-depth thing being done, especially specific to football or teams that secure a spot and have all kinds of time to hit cruise control and, and that, and just the lack of success afterward. I, I just think it's, it's a big percentage of teams that fail their, to achieve their ultimate goal when they've locked things up far in advance like that man it was remarkable i turned in early and it was a the owls were up seven and then i kind of giggled at that and came back and i think it was 31 17 when i checked in again and that made me sit down and watch the remainder of it but i know for sure that a lot of folks whose thoughts and opinions that i put a lot of stock in they were very concerned about the 
the problem that the Argos would present should they get fortunate enough to get to the Grey Cup and to see that happening with the stars aligning. And I don't mean to be discounting the Owls or anything like that, Hus, but just think, uh, up and down what the Argos brought to the table or were capable of bringing to the table were was a much more concern, I think, than what the Owls ultimately are going to do here. And hopefully the Bombers can go and take advantage of that. Well, uh, I mean, listen, I don't want to bring up a former, you know, a World Grey Cup losses where the Bombers were a big favorite. But this really does change everything. And I think it changes the psychology of the week. Now, I've got a lot of confidence in the Bombers. I mean, just they, they've been here before. They've done it. They remember yep. what it was like to lose last year. So I think this team is as well-equipped as any to not be overconfident, to prepare as normal. But listen, on paper, Westy, um, the Montreal Wet scored, I think, six points against the Bombers this year, their offense. I mean, this is a team that, um, you know, and, I mean, and Cody Fajardo as well. Like, I joked earlier on, they should not show Cody Fajardo any of the video of the West Final of what happened to Vernon Adams because he's going to have flashbacks to his time in Regina, his time playing the Bombers, which often was miserable. And... Um, they want him to have a little bit of confidence, but um, it, it is a fascinating matchup in that the uh, Alouettes really don't have anything to lose. No one really expected them to be there, but at the same time, they're going up against a team that their defense is playing at a really high level, and they had absolutely no answers for earlier when they played this season. I would like to suggest us right out of the gate that when you've got the level of greasy stash that Fajardo's got, that's you're like minus seven. Start the game down a touchdown because of how greasy that stash is, man. But I'm right there with you for sure. Like the level of success that they've had, and you want, and you mentioned the veteran nobility of this group of guys, man, with the Bombers and the disappointment of last year. And I know a team could go and be a little bit fat and sassy coming into a situation and and entering into the game and having the mindset all week of feeling that you're, you know, you sort of superior and you could cakewalk to a win. I don't think there's any chance in the world Mike O'Shea allows that to happen or the veteran leadership group that you got here, right? These guys missed on a chance last year. This is I I I'll this is a gift from God, I think, getting the Owls over the Argos. And I think they'll go in and just smash them. T Cota Pauly in with a super chat. Thanks, Pauly. Argos and Leafs, regular season champs. Just too good for themselves. <laughs> LOL hashtag playoff success. You know, I think next week will be a better time to have this conversation, Troy. Um, you know, as far as, you know, looking at this uh, O'Shea, Walters, Miller era after the game, mm -hmm. if they can get it done. But four straight Western Division titles has not been done in the Canadian Football League since the dynasty of Edmonton in the late 70s to early 80s. Um do you ever spend any time just thinking how incredible this run is considering where this team was before these individuals took over? Absolutely, I do. I talk about it all the time, man. It's just, you know, if it was a business, the stock would have been at the very lowest possible, right? When Miller came in and took over for dark days of one Mr. Joe Mack and you know, bringing in Mike O'Shea was a, a fantastic move. And then rolling the dice across nobody like Kyle Walters GM everyone was like what right but he had faith in 
and Kyle and boy, what Kyle Walters has done since then, that the sort of the backbone down the middle strength that you got in this situation with, with Miller, Walters and O'Shea, man, it's, it's spectacular. And I, I was asking guys, I was asking some of the old boys uh, from uh, in the alumni group, like even before this uh, great cup spot was secured, this already right now, like I think back in Kenny Plains day when they won however many it was in that short period of time, this is dang near as as strong a time of bomber supremacy as there's ever been in the organization. And it's just, it's so beautiful and it's so <clears throat> deeply deserved by the fans, you know, enduring that, uh, the long drought and all those loser bombers played for them and that sort of thing, but didn't uh, win a championship. But just the, the response to the drought Miller going in there, you know, and, and sort of uh, bulldogging his way around as he does um, with O'Shea and Walters. It's just, and the Canadian Mafia, all that sort of stuff, man. It's it's so much fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, listen, if they're looking for something to do uh, during the offseason, you may as well just start working on the statue of O'Shea uh, for outside of uh, IG Field right now. Um, because that is uh, all but a certainty with what he has done. Um, but obviously there's another game to win. He'll be going, we're just looking to go 1-0 this week yep. in his typical Mike O'Shea right. fashion. Um, but it, 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 they are on the verge of doing something, I mean, so incredibly special. And, uh, you know, in some ways, Troy, I think the disappointment of the heartbreak of last year against the Toronto Argonauts set them up on a year-long mission. And, you know, and there's something about championship teams that, you know, understand how long the season is. Everything that you go through to get to this point to be your best at the playoffs. And, I mean, I think about the BC Lions, and I, in some ways I compare the Lions, where they're at right now, to the Bombers sort of in 18, 17, 18, 19, where first they made the playoffs, then they made it to the West Final. Um, you know, they made it to another West final. The bombers ended up getting over that hump, but sometimes you have to get there and learn some hard lessons. The bombers have done all of that. And it, it seemed like their focus throughout the year was to get to those two games against Toronto and BC, win them. They did it, win the West. And now they're poised to, uh, finish the job with 60 minutes of championship level football coming up this weekend at, uh, Tim Hortons. And the pedigree, I, I'm I'm right there with you on the vibe sort of that you're sending out with this group, Huss, where the like the pedigree of them, the disappointment of last year, everyone talking about how old they are, and that maybe the the team in, in the core of the team is considerably past their prime. And even if they are, man, they're a bunch of old dogs that know how to win. And and after the disappointment of last year, coming together, achieving what they did this year, I just think it sets up absolutely beautifully. And th this is a group that will not look past the owls at all. I think there's two different mindsets sometimes with teams where you know, fat and sassy and, and looking past the team uh, opposed to being a confident team and looking and getting ready to smash a team as an opportunity presents itself. And this team, the core of it, the DNA of it, I think is much more ladder like that where they're salivating uh, they, they would have given the Argos a dang good run. And it, that would have been a real tight, close game where you can, in this situation now, play at your highest level possible and just go smash the guys across the line of scrimmage from you. I, it, it's going to be a an absolute pile of fun, mm -hmm. man. And I think we're celebrating somewhere midway through the fourth. I think the, everybody in Manitoba is going to be already celebrating. 
Well, that's uh, I, I'm uh, I, I'm feeling it, and I would love for that to be uh, to be the case. Just quickly on the defense before we go, I mean Willie Jefferson and Jackson Jeffcoat are certainly all time Blue Bombers, uh, and the performance that those guys had, both of them with two sacks. Um, but I mean Adam Big Hill is also right there with those guys as um, legendary Bombers, leader of the defense. We know that he left the field, did not return to the game, left on crutches. Um, I, I bring this up because we look around and Kyrie Wilson had a sack. Evan Holm, what a season he's had. He's had one. Um, you know, you, uh, you you mix it in and, uh, I mean, Demario Houston with a pick. Evan Holm with a pick. Houston with a pick. And then other individuals like Kyrie Wilson who had a huge game, Cole, Cromdy. If Adam Big Hill can't go... Um, how equipped are the Bombers to handle the loss of Big Hill from an athlete standpoint, but also from sort of that leader on the phone? Because he has been the mainstay of that defense throughout this championship era. From a leadership perspective, Huss, I I don't think that they're going to lose much because you know dang well he's going to be on the sideline and still there. And I and actually, us I think the, the net effect of this is I think they've got the personnel to cover or – Big Hill in a in a in a very decent way, and then the inspiration for anybody and everybody out there. Like if if you're a man down like that, and and especially a guy like Biggie that that's so well respected in that room, man. If he's on the sideline, not able to play, the level of inspiration he's going to provide on the sideline, I think, is going to be as impactful as when he's on the field, and maybe even more so because he, you're playing for a guy that can't himself be out there. So I think, I know it's like he's he's awesome. You wonder how much time he's got left out there, but I think uh, the boys are going to rally around it, and sometimes you take away a very important piece like that, and every other piece of the puzzle can crank it up some percentage points to play at a higher level, and I think that's what's going to happen. Oh, I'm uh, with you. Troy Westwood is with us. Hey, Westy, before we go, um, you know, the vibes obviously are immaculate when it comes to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, but uh, it's been a real nice run for the Winnipeg Jets. There's a lot of people that miss your uh, takes in the morning on the local hockey team. Uh, how are you feeling about the club right now? A tough loss against Dallas, although played well, strong game, really good team. Had ran off three in a row before in a nice spot in the standings. What? Uh, where are you at right now with this year's version of the Winnipeg Jets? Pleasantly surprised, I would say, right now, and just enjoying uh, some sizable change in the off season. And uh, I think you got to be impressed with what they're doing collectively as a team right now. They're they're situated pretty darn well. It's been a long time since we could talk about a team wearing jet jerseys that rolls four lines with everybody mm-hmm. contributing. Um, you know, with the uh, and playing as a team. And I think that's yep. been a big question before, but uh, it's uh, it's real good. Westy, listen. Thanks so much for doing this. Uh, it's always a treat when we have you on. Have a great, great cup week and enjoy the big game on Sunday. Um, hopefully uh, it works out well and we can have you back very soon to talk about the significance of this bomber run. Uh, but first, they got a game to play. You betcha, brother. Let's go get it. Let's go get it done, boys. <laughs> right on. Thanks, Westy. Uh, there's the one and only Troy Westwood. Make sure you're giving him a follow on Twitter on X at Troy Westwood. Great to have Westy back on the program. Uh, I'll tell you what, they might need to get the uh, brewing machines going back at LBJ because I have a feeling there was plenty of 1919s and generic enjoyed, certainly on Super Saturday. Uh, it was great to 
hook up with some of the little brown jug jug folks at the uh, hockey game in the afternoon. And uh, of course, you can get generic and 1919 at Canada Life Center now at the craft beer corners in the upper and lower bowl. Uh, and then there was a lot of 1919s enjoyed by Bomber fans. I can tell you that at the game on Saturday night. Little Brown Jug, proud partners of both the Jets and the Bombers. Um, I would imagine they'll probably be playing the game on Sunday. If you're looking for a kind of a neat spot to watch, to drink great beer and uh, enjoy the game, keep an eye on the Little Brown Jug social channels uh, for their plans for the Great Cup, as well as keep an eye on future nights where they'll be showing Winnipeg Jet games in the bar. Pop down and see them, William Avenue. And, of course, you can pick up great Little Brown Jug, not only there, but anywhere that sells great beer. And, hey, a big shout-out to our friends Nick and Nikki at Nick and Nikki DQ. They've got the uh, three locations. Victory Blizzards today for all Bomber fans. Um, be a great spot to go. DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and the DQ in Niverville. And, of course, they've also got the new Pita Pit in Niverville. Pita Pit's so good, healthy, fresh, delicious, fast. They also do amazing catering. If you've got catering needs, Nick and Nicky would love to help you out. You can hit them up at Niverville at PitaPitMB.ca or you can hit them up on X or Instagram at PitaPitNiverville and uh, they would love to cater your next function. All right, let's get Remo back in here. And, uh, oh, Remo, good to talk to Westy. Uh, you know, he always does, you know, some self-depreciating digs about you know, the the years that he played, how close they came and not getting it done. Um, but you can still, you, you know, when you're once a bomber, always a bomber. And for players like Troy that, you know, had so many disappointments, um, it's just, uh, it's probably even better to see what this team has been able to do for this city and what they've built at IG Field and in this community. Yeah, I had a good chuckle when he called them all those sucks he used to play. <laughs> For the those bombers. old losers that used to play for the Bombers yeah. and they go through. <laughs> and But uh, it is amazing because a lot of people are growing up now. I mean, uh, you know, the Bombers from what, like 1991 to, was it, 2019? I mean, they didn't win any great cup. And, you know, I see people in chats saying, oh, I'm still upset about 2001. Or you have nightmares about, uh, what, Odell Wells not getting that interception in 2011. Or... You know, you were yes. you're seeing uh, Ryan Dinwiddie mentioned in chat uh, from 2007. So there's, you know, there's a lot of heartbreak in between those years, and to have the Bombers coming up four straight Grey Cups, it's unbelievable. And I always remember, um, I think it was when the Bombers lost. Was it the West Final or the first one? They lost to Calgary, and Calgary was they were on their huge one where they were dominating the uh, the West. And they were making great cups every year. And I just thought to myself, man, wouldn't it be nice to have a great team uh, here like Calgary has? And here we are, you know, like, what, five, six years later, and it's the Bombers who are making the great cup every year. And Calgary, you know, they're kind of, they're, what, they made the playoffs this year, but they were 6-12. and 12. Like, Well, and you get, know what the, the difference with Calgary's run? Because you're right. I yeah. mean, they were absolutely the class of the West. But they would often have a season like the Bombers had and then end up like the Argos in the East final <laughs> yeah. where they just wouldn't get it done. I mean, they, they as a group probably should have had at least a couple more rings mm -hmm. in the seasons where they were the best team throughout the season, but just fell up short in the, uh, in the, in the postseason. Um, so, um, yeah, don't take it for granted bomber fans. And, uh, 
I got to tell you, just shout out to everyone that was there on the weekend. That was absolute magic at IG Field. And uh, looking forward to seeing many of you out in Hamilton as the Bombers go for another Grey Cup championship. Um, we're uh, we're going to be all over this all week long. Tomorrow, we're going to do, uh, we'll check in with Jeff Hamilton. He'll join us live uh, either on Thursday or Friday from uh, from Hamilton when we're doing the shows. Mo Khan's going to also jump on with us, and we will do uh, a heavy diet of Jets talk um, before really focusing on the Bombers for a few days. Again, with the Jets at home Tuesday and then Friday and Saturday coming up this weekend. Is there any way, you know, Scott Gillingham, our new mayor, I think he just finished a year in the, uh, yes. in, the in the mayor's no. chair, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. He should, like now that the Bombers have done it again and won the West Final four consecutive times, he should declare the Monday after the Grey Cup just a civic holiday. <laughs> like... Well People are down for holidays. Some people have today off. Some people uh, don't because Remembrance Day is not, I guess, technically a stat holiday. Some places observe it even later on. Mm. Others don't. But just a Winnipeg civic holiday after the Grey Cup would be, uh, I think, would be very, very well received by uh, most citizens of our fine city. Well, I think that you're going to need a whole civic holiday for the month of November if they win us because, what, you're going to have, like, Grey Cup, the day, now we're getting ahead of ourselves, the day after, uh, you know, the parade, you know, they, last time they won, uh, there was a lot going on, so they didn't really have um, a full parade, you know, it was a pretty cool party in the stadium, I thought, where they all came out on trucks, but, I mean, Chris Streveler at the 2019 Grey Cup parade right, yeah. is, I mean, we're still talking about it today, so, <laughs> again, we're getting ahead of ourselves, they what do have Streville to play the game. be in Hamilton this weekend, maybe we'll see if we can track him down. Yeah. That's a good question. I'm curious who will uh, end up bumping into there. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, this this could be a very fun, very fun month because it's funny. I remember last year, has you know, we wanted to come on the show and recap the game. No one wanted to hear about it. Yeah, last year we were like, okay, yeah, let's talk about the, the Great Cup, and everyone's like, no. No, enough. We don't need to yeah. do it. So where are the Jets playing? Like, what's going on? This, <laughs> yeah. Uh, no. And listen, uh, oh, Eric Charleston, Huss for mayor. That would be my plan. And like Schickster is saying, don't do the wave too soon, Huss. This is not a wave. Like, win or lose, it should be a holiday. Um, I mean, I guess the fact that our team gets there each and every year makes it more important here than in other spots. But I also mentioned, I mean, if you were putting together like, say, you know, all of our traditional holidays were up in the air and could be moved. Like, the, the day after the Super Bowl should be a holiday. Um, you know, e either that, and this is why I love the fact that this game was on Saturday this year. And I know tradition is it's Grey Cup Sunday. I'm not suggesting change that. But to be able to have such an amazing day like we had with the doubleheader of the games, the Bombers winning the Grey Cup and going there, everyone getting to go out and whoop it up afterwards... And to not have to punch the clock the next day, it's perfect. So if there's a way we can we can work on that for the future, get a few more people off the day after the Grey Cup and the Super Bowl for that matter, I am certainly, certainly here for it. Um, let's uh, get to the cool bet lines because, as I mentioned, right off the bat, we now have a line for the Grey Cup. 
I thought this was going to be higher. I expected eight and a half. I expected nine. I saw FanDuel had promoted it last night on TSN at six and a half, which was stunning. Uh, and Coolbet's got it now at seven. I, I'm sure that FanDuel line got hammered as soon as it was available by people that know what's up. Um, but the Bombers, seven and a half point favorites. I thought that this would be higher. Uh, I'm sort of with Westy. I mean, I've got a big level of confidence for what Winnipeg will be able to do against Montreal. Uh, but again, Remus, we always say it. that's why they play the games. But if you do want to get a wager in on the Bombers right now, seven and a half is the spread for Winnipeg to reclaim the throne and bring that cup back to the peg. Oh, man, that's. I mean, you got to feel good about that, Hus. But what were the Bombers favored last year over Toronto in the Grey Cup? Do you? It was, uh, I want to say it was four? I thought about five. I thought about going and watching like uh, this show a year ago to see what we said <laughs> before they played Toronto. And, you know, I think it was going pretty well until they put Chad Kelly in and uh, it confused everyone. I don't know if the. I don't know if the Alouettes have a Chad Kelly there at backup. QB has to come in in the fourth quarter and rip off some crazy uh, third down runs, but uh, I think he's still. I, I think this Cody's seven... going to be running all right. Don't worry about Cody running. He'll be running and running all over the place from Willie J, from Jackson Jeffcoat, <laughs> from the rest of the Blue Bomber defense. Um, I, I'm waiting to see, and they, we won't have it yet. We'll get it later on. Need some props. I want the props on how many sacks in the game, or we're just bomber sacks because I'm uh, I'm predicting a long and painful afternoon for one Cody Fajardo. But credit credit to the Alouettes for getting it done. That's a big big win, and uh, considering Moss and Fajardo in a lot of ways were sort of scapegoats last year in Saskatchewan. I'll have to get somebody on from Saskatchewan for an unbiased look at this game <laughs> to see which is frustrating Ryder fans more, the Bombers' continued dominance or the fact that Cody's going to the Grey Cup and it's not in green, but it's with his new team of the Montreal Alouettes. Um, uh, but total for the game right now, 47. Bombers minus 333 on the money line. Alouettes plus 250. Uh, all right, we got Monday Night Football tonight as well. Broncos and Bills. And uh, the Broncos are seven and a half point underdogs in Buffalo to take on the Bills. The Bills have had, I mean, a pretty sketchy month. I mean, with the uh, the uh, the loss to the Patriots, they uh, they beat the, um, the, the near loss to the New York Giants. Um, but they're better than we've seen lately. A lot of people expect that. But you know what? The Denver Broncos have been a lot better as well winning their last two games, including handing the Chiefs one of only two losses on the season so far. Their first place all by themselves in the AFC on account of that Baltimore loss yesterday. And the Jacksonville Jaguars getting lit up by the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, total for tonight's game is 47 and a half. We do have, uh, we do have an exclusive up for tonight. The Lockshop Partner Parlay. <clears throat> We've done very well on this as of late. Javante Williams, over 54 and a half rushing yards. Khalil Shakir, four or more receptions. And uh, Tyler Bass, seven or more kicking points. Plus 700. Nice boost from the fellas. 
So uh, if you want to ride with us on that, we did catch the Lock Shop Partner Parlay yesterday at uh, just under 6-1. to one. Great day in the Lock Shop overall. It, it would have been perfect if the Jets had just hung on and won that damn Sunday nighter. The worst thing was, Remus, is that you know because we were invested and had the potential of hitting another parlay, I actually had to stay up and watch that entire Jet Raider game, which let's just say wasn't as fun as many of the other games we saw yesterday in a very tight game in the National Football League. We'll touch on that in just a sec, but hey, if you haven't played a cool bet before, use the promo code WST for a 100% bonus on your first deposit up to 200 bucks. It was, especially the early games, there was a lot of really tight ones. And well, frankly, I guess the late one, the Arizona-Atlanta uh, um, game was really good. And I mean, man, if you like points, you uh, would have loved that Lions-Chargers matchup yesterday. First of all, the, that game last night was so terrible. Oh, and uh, I'm sick of the Jets on these primetime games, uh, Monday night last week, Sunday night uh, against the Raiders, and we have to see Aaron Rodgers. I swear he only shows up for the primetime games so totally. everyone can see him on Just TV. needs the attention. He's not showing up for uh, Sunday afternoon regular football, only for primetime. So uh, tired of seeing him on my TV not in uniform. Uh, some great games Yesterday, oh man, that uh, the Bengals Houston game was the game of the day, and uh, Joe Burrow almost led this incredible comeback with Tyler Boyd dropping the ball and CJ Stroud. Man, that guy is legit at QB. Huge game from Noah Brown, especially at the end, pushing the pile. Uh, shocking upset. I thought the Browns, I thought Deshaun Watson was totally washed and done. Uh, huge comeback for them over the Ravens. Um, and how about the Saints? I mean, this Josh Dobbs story, sorry, the Vikings uh, over the Saints, the Josh Dobbs story uh, continues. What I thought it was a pretty good trade for them, but, uh, you know, two wins, including the one of the most unbelievable circumstances last week, uh, is kind of saving the Vikings season here. And if, yeah, as far as points, yeah, the Lions, Char Lions Chargers game, uh, battle of two awesome offenses and Lions just uh, getting the final uh, last second field goals. So How about the balls of steel on Dan Campbell? I mean, the one great thing about that Chargers-Lions game was, hey, there was a mm. lot of points. It was exciting. I, I think there was eight fourth down situations where teams went for it. At one point, Detroit went on it three times in the same drive and then at the end of the game, tied a minute and a half left, fourth and two from about the 31-yard line when they could have easily kicked a field goal. Dan Campbell said, no, we're going for it. Pushed forward, got the first down, passing, and then ended up kicking the field goal with no time. And it was a smart play. I mean, you didn't want to give Justin Herbert a minute, 15 seconds to go down and potentially win the game. Um, but yeah, Lions, big win. And yeah, your point, the Vikings, man. Uh, my brother and I know a lot of Winnipeggers uh, were out uh, in the Twin Cities this weekend for that matchup. That was a uh, another great, great performance. The Josh Dobbs story just keeps on getting better. And when you look at the Vikings' schedule coming up, um, they're into this sweet spot of their sched where they've really played most of their hardest games. And, uh, you know, they're on this big winning streak of uh, five in a row I mean, I, I keep thinking about that game against the 49ers, you know, to win that game. Everyone assumed that they were going to be two and five after that one. Well, to be three and four and then rattle off wins in Green Bay, in Atlanta, 
now home to the Giants. They do have to go to uh, Denver next week for a uh, a primetime game Sunday night against the Broncos. But then they've got the Bears, then they've got the Raiders. I mean, it's not inconceivable that this team could be 9-4 and four by the time they go to Cincinnati on December 17th. And Cincinnati's another team, Remus, we should quickly touch on. Losing at home, C.J. Stroud, what a stud. They go in and beat Joe Burrow and the Bengals. And the Bengals are 5-4 and four right now. Last place in the NFC North. Um, and have a really, really tough schedule going forward. I mean, the Bengals are a team, like as a Chiefs fan, I think they scare me as much as any team in the AFC. But when you look at what they're up against, 5-4 and four now, they've got to go to the Ravens, home to the Steelers, at the Jags, home to the Colts, home to the Vikings, at the Steelers, at the Chiefs, home to the Browns. There's no guarantee that they'll win enough games to be in the playoffs. I still think that they do, uh, but they've got they've got some winning to do right now, and they don't have a lot of wiggle room, especially considering that tough neighborhood they live in in the AFC North. Yeah, I got a shout to the Bengals knocking me out of my survivor pool. I knew it was a tough one. It was a tough week if you're still in survivor. I had no idea where to go. I was like, well, I'm going with Joe Burrow, just picking one of the better QBs available and tried to get it done. As I said earlier, it was uh, Tyler Boyd dropping it. Uh, the T. Higgins injury certainly hurt them. But, I mean, you got to be so impressed with C.J. Stroud. Second in the league in yardage. Uh, we've got 15 touchdowns, only two interceptions. I mean, they have so many weapons at receiver in Houston. Can't remember Houston being relevant, this relevant uh, in a long time. A long time. So that was a big win, and for the Bengals, they're in trouble. But they do have Joe Burrow. We'll have to wait and see about uh, Higgins' uh, injury status. So I think you can, you can go. You know, they've been there before. They've been consistent. But there they are. I mean, shocking at the bottom of that AFC North at 5-4 and four, uh, behind Pittsburgh, who's somehow 6-3, and three, who's they keep winning games. Like, it's a pretty ugly one. Ugly one yesterday against Green Bay. I mean, just the most unappealing team has. They got minus 26 point differential somehow. Six yep. and then the Browns, who, you know, I think they got still got questions at quarterback, but then Baltimore, seven and three. So I, I think there's room there. They got, those divisional games are going to be very, very important. That The, uh, the, the Steelers, uh, first team in NFL history to be six and three and to be outgained in all nine games in their season. But, hey, Mike Tomlin finds a way. I don't ask questions anymore. I just back them every week. And um, they even covered a number. Usually they've been, like, slight underdogs. I mean, they uh, they covered the number yesterday. So, uh, anyways, fun, fun weekend of the National Football League. We'll look forward to this Monday night or tonight, Bills and Broncos. And we'll uh, recap to tomorrow, I'm sure, at some point. But... Tomorrow's show is going to be heavy on Jets. Mike McIntyre is going to jump on the program and Grey Cup. And that's pretty much the menu all week long. Um, some big hockey games at home at Canada Life Center for the local hockey team. And the Bombers are officially in the air right now. They will touch down in Hamilton later on tonight and uh, begin preparation for the Grey Cup tomorrow in the Hammer We'll be all over it. And the Hammer, Jeff Hamilton, um, will probably join us for a few minutes tomorrow as well from Hamilton, sort of setting the stage. We'll hook up with Jeff when we get to Hamilton on Wednesday night. Looking forward to 
the Grey Cup and the Bombers looking to bring that cup back to Winnipeg. And as they've said in the hashtag all year, reclaim the throne. That is going to do it for us, everybody. Hit that thumbs up button. Geez, we've got lots of people. We still haven't got to 200. If you haven't already, help the boys out. Thumbs up for the Bombers and another West Division Championship. Um, and don't forget, go over to our Instagram as well as Winnipeg Sports Talk. You'll be able to enter. We'll pull names tomorrow for a more finalists for the Marble Race on the 30th for the Trevor Linden jersey and the complete line of Prairie Natural subs, um, Supplements for Men's Health Month. For Michael Remus, I'm Andrew Patterson. Have a great night, and we'll see you tomorrow for a Jets game day edition before the game against the New Jersey Devils tomorrow night. This has been Winnipeg Sports Talk. We'll see you tomorrow at 1. Oh, my God! for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.